it's too exciting to to hold on any longer. I know it is. And also, guys, we just want you to spice up your life. <laughs> Well, my um, apartment was flooded. Oh, shit. Well, I was in Sweden by I the wondered, rain. I wondered, but I also didn't yeah. want to ask. Yeah, it was just like walking on the street in Sweden. And um, I got a call from my super. And anytime the phone rings and it's the super, you know it's not great. It's not good. It's not it's great. Not good. It's like, I'm like, hey, Joe, how are you? He's like, oh, I'm not good, sweetheart. I'm in your apartment right now. The balcony overflowed. Every, all the water came into your apartment. I'm here. I got it under control. And I was like, okay. Oh, okay. God. You figure not living below the ground or on the first floor, you'd be safe. But your yeah. fucking balcony got you. The balcony got me because it was just too much water and it wasn't draining fast enough. And uh, and then like just like a torrential flood, I think, came into the living room and soaked. Lo- I mean, here's the thing. I have a really fluffy Moroccan rug. Um, yeah. And I think it just really took on all the water. Oh, God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's so stressful. Yeah, it's not great. Um and then, like, Kirsten couldn't even get to the apartment because it was, like, dangerous to travel or, oh you know, God. I'm sure you saw all of the... I did. I did. Pictures and things. But I got to be honest. I was like, I knew that you were in Sweden, and I was like, she's safe. She's up on a higher floor. But no. <sighs> yeah, that's what I thought, too. But then, yeah, like, Kirsten came the next day. Mark went, Mark came down to the apartment that afternoon and then Kirsten came the next day, but somehow both of them missed this like basket that was full of scarves and hats that was on the ground. And I got here today and was like, what, uh, wait, what's all this mildewing, like soaking wet? Shit. (laughs) sweaters and they're like what we didn't see it like oh well listen welcome you know here we go here we (laughs) here we go welcome home (laughs) thank you we're gonna be joined by two authors today we've got guys we have a packed show so we we have like uh, two minutes to talk to you before because we have two guests they're both yeah. amazing. Yes. They're authors. Authors who who both started doing other things. Right. Somewhat, some would say, almost in the same field in a way because Jerry Hollowell Horner, you may know as Ginger Spice. <laughs> it's Ginger exciting. Spice season for sure. It is Ginger Spice season. <laughs> She has a new book out. She wrote a line of children's books that was very popular, um, especially in the UK. Uh, but this is her first sort of like like in the YA territory 
slash really anyone can read it. And it's right. called Rosie Frost and the Falcon Queen. And um, it's like sort of like a fantasy, almost like, um, it's like, hmm, like a Harry Potter, but for girls. <laughs> <laughs> not that Harry Potter is not for girls. <laughs> no, it's like a, it's like a, it's a fantasy. fantasy. Yeah. It's a fantasy yeah, But it has it's some a, history woven yeah, yeah, into yeah. it. Woven and in. it's it's interesting. So it and it was so fun to talk to her. And then joining us is someone who's been a friend of yours for a long time, right? Oh my God, I've known Hillary Burton Morgan for a very long time. In fact, her first we can talk about it. We should talk about it. We'll talk about it with her. We'll but she has her. her second book out. And it's called Grimoire Girl, Creating an Inheritance of Magic and Mischief. I love it. Um, her first book, The Rural Diaries, documented her and her husband's decision to move to upstate New York and basically <laughs> live on a farm. For right? real, for real. Not like yeah. For a reality show vibe, like for like, this is my, <laughs> like, you know, like this is my like life. This is where I'm going to raise my right. kids. Um, and it's a New York Times bestselling book and Grimoire Girl comes out tomorrow, right? They're both out today. Both today, books are today. out. Right. Our podcast comes out the day after, but this week is the week you want to buy these books like so that, you know, they can get on lists. Is all exactly. Exactly. So both of the books are already out as you're listening to this podcast. We're recording this on October third, which is also the best day. Wait, it's, it's Mean the, Girls Day. It's the Mean Girls Day. It's Mean Girls Day. Amazing. Oh, I still can't talk about it technically. You can't talk about it, but yeah. I can talk about it. I think, and you can just nod along and not say shit. But Mean Girls was supposed to come out on Paramount Plus, but it tested so well with audiences that it's getting a theatrical release. Um, Busy is not saying anything. She's just looking off to the side, not listening to a thing that I'm saying because the Screen Actors Guild is still on strike. So, correct. In fact, they're they were negotiating yesterday, and then they're going back tomorrow. So I don't know why Tuesday they decided that maybe because it's October third. So, I, yeah, they had to take off Mean Girls Day because <laughs> they're they fucking mean. I don't know. <laughs> oh, no. just saying I don't know. Anyway, I'm just I love saying. Hillary. Um, Burton, Morgan, so much. Yes. And who she won't be able to talk about it, but we, I love her from One Tree Hill, obviously, and MTV Days. Well, MTV Days for sure. Yeah. Uh, I remember when she was a VJ. Yeah. And I love She's her husband. Like, yeah. Her husband, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, is also an actor from Grey's Anatomy. Say, I just have to say, oh, and Walking Dead. I think that was like, a big yes, deal. I mean, well, he was like, I love him from Grey's Anatomy. Oh yeah, I well, that was iconic. That was like, I, that I was where we him. fell in love. Yes, with him, <laughs> I fear him from The Walking Dead. Um, but you know what I want to say about Hillary is that she's just like a very real person. Yeah, and even reading this book, which I highly recommend, I got to tell you guys, I like read a lot of it on the airplane. I'm not finished yeah. with it. I'm not going to lie to you. Why would I lie? <laughs> I, I think it's okay. Like it Honey, just came I haven't out. finished. The la you guys know the last book I finished because we did a book club. <laughs> the next book I finish, we'll do a fucking book club. I can't. The next book you finish will be the one that you write probably. 
I don't know. I mean, possibly. <laughs> I, sometimes I'm like, did I even read my own book back? Oh my God, look at Hillary. Did I just what? sneak in? Yeah, no, I'm snuck so in. Happy we were talking you. about you behind your back. Oh, we, <laughs> were. we were. Well, we, like, but I was all saying, good things. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, obviously, that's the only <laughs> kind of talking about people behind their backs that we do. Um, I was just saying how you're such a real person. And like, I don't know. I real mess. Been- <laughs> Hillary, Hello? it's so nice to meet you. I'm a longtime admirer. I'm Casey. This is Casey. I know who you are. Well, I'm just saying we've never had the pleasure of meeting in person. And so I'm just so excited that you could make time to talk with us today. You guys aren't seeing it because this is obviously an audio only podcast. Hillary's wallpaper is might be the best thing I've ever seen in my life. I love it. <laughs> So bitchy. Did you get yours from Spoonflower like I did? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love I did. It that you guys got your wallpaper from Spoonflower. Yeah. Yeah. They they want you to search by keyword. Yes. And so I put in like like witch and occult and those kinds of words. And how this- many days long was your rabbit hole, your spoonflower witch rabbit hole? How many days like did it take you? Like the second my kids went back to school, I was like, fuck it. I'm just finding wallpaper. That's all I'm going to do right now. <laughs> um, Wait, hold on. My Mark just walked in. I just didn't know if something happened with a flood. Busy's house yeah. flooded. Yeah. That, dude, okay. that rain last week was bananas. Okay. I thought she'd be safe because she's on an upper floor, but I'm on the tenth floor. Oh no! What? I know. It don't. But the balcony. Oh. I have a balcony at this yeah, apartment. Yeah. yeah, you thought and outdoor space in Manhattan was going to be a great idea. I mean, it is, except <laughs> until I make sure your home a waterfront property. Yeah, that was yeah. it. Wasn't and I was in Sweden. It was. Oh, oh no! Were you yeah, visiting? Your kids? I was visiting. I was visiting Birdie in Sweden. How was that? It's good. We haven't even talked about it on the podcast yet. I mean, it was good. She's um, like kind of thriving and loves it. And I do think that, um, I don't know. I think it's really, I think that she just had an idea of a thing that she thought might be a good fit for her. And she was right. Yeah. <laughs> like, they so, know. Yeah, they know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Our yeah. kids are like a year apart. And it's so weird when they're not what we designed them to be. Right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. It's, it shocked me so many times over the course of my parenting years that my kids were so different. Even though I yeah. know logically that like people are who they are. I knew that about outside people, but about sure, my sure. own kids, I had so so many expectations of who they would be and they mm-hmm. are both entirely different than I expected them to be. Yeah. And great. I'm so happy to meet them. You know. That's that's a great way to put it. I'm happy to meet them. Isn't <laughs> fun? Exactly. Cool. Yeah, they're they're both great guys, um but so different than I expected. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, okay, I was talking about how I was, I read large portions of Grimoire Girl on the airplane. And then when I was in Sweden, well, because after about a day of being with me nonstop, Birdie was like, do you think maybe you need to go read somewhere? (laughs) Mom, do you want a sabbatical? 
Do you think break? maybe we've had enough of each other for a minute and you could go give me a break? And I was like, I guess so. I just no, got I mean, was, here. I just got here, but okay, I'll go downstairs and read for a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I love it. And I feel like uh, I feel like you and I have so much in common. I always name my homes, by the way. Yeah. I Well, we walked a similar path. Like we in have. those early formative years. You really so did. we're going to be haunted forever. <laughs> <laughs> we really are. We really are. And um, this is like, this book, Hillary, is so right up my alley. Like, I try not to talk about it so, so much because I feel like witchery is like having a moment or whatever. I don't want to seem disrespectful. Yeah, disrespectful to people that really, really take it seriously. But the stuff that you talked about, like color and how important color is to you, I dress according to like witchy colors of the day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you set your intention for the day. Like if I'm trying to be a bad bitch and get some things done, it's red, duh. Exactly. I don't know. I didn't want to write this book and claim any kind of expertise over witchcraft or pagan practices. I wrote this book as like a very gentle entry into that world because, and that's why I cite 10 other books at the beginning Mm -hmm. of mine. Yeah. Like, hey, hey, if you want the real deal, go over here. My job is to just point out that you guys have already been doing magic. Like you've already been practicing magical thinking. You've already been working with ritual and sacred spaces. So instead of vilifying it, why don't we all band together and take down the patriarchy? Yes. Uh So good. The more the merrier is my take. The more the merrier. But I also loved the idea. I found it really inspiring because even just, um, so I have like, I'm like you, but I have like 4,000 notebooks everywhere. Like they're everywhere. And like yeah. I, I'm constantly writing things down or drawing pictures or whatever. But not, I don't have like a dedicated, like one beautifully. And I loved that idea that you put in the book about getting like a really beautiful bound book where you kind of put like the, the special best of stuff. the best, like the really, really special things. And, um, and it inspired me to do it. And so I just, Good. you know, I know. I know it's like because I do. A it's like, tape. it yes. is like making a mixtape. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is you're such You're still going to own all yes. the albums, right? Like you're going to keep them in the little right. booklets with the lyrics. But you need a mixtape that you keep in your car that's just like the hits, the where one. you know you can get in there and feel what you need to feel. So this is your your mixtape of magic. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. I love I that. Love it. And there is something, I, I think that's a really good system too. Like just as you are saying, I have so many scattered notebooks just like you do, Busy. But I do, when things are important, I do copy them over to the priority notebook because I think like recopying them really cements it in my mind. Yeah. And mm. also I know this yellow notebook is the important one where like I have to talk to Busy about this. I have to accomplish this, whatever. You know, everything else is just sort of like background noise, but I think it's, I love the idea of like one book. Well, grimoire, you explain so beautifully what a grimoire is um, that you, like maybe you'll explain it to our listeners in case they don't know. Yeah. I mean, this is your grab if there's a fire book because 
Grimoire typically was a book of um, life-saving information that a woman would start in her youth and add to throughout the course of her life. And it was something that women were persecuted for having because a lot of the patriarchy thought it was witchcraft when in fact it was just hereditary knowledge that they were life learning hacks. about medicinal <laughs> plants, life hacks. Right. It's crazy how something so stupid can get um, spun into a dangerous narrative. Uh, oh, you're capable. So, we fear you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? They should fear us, though, is the thing. Um, so, yeah, taking ownership over that word grimoire and kind of being confrontational about using it. Yeah. And saying, like, yes, I get that you've murdered people for having these we're in a day and age where we can proudly say, yes, not only do I have one, but I'm going to show it to you. Um, I don't know. I've kind of been in a confrontational mood, so that felt appropriate for myself. Yeah, I wonder part. why. I wonder why. No. Yeah. No. Why are we all feeling so confrontational? <laughs> so The ladies are worked up. I just think it's so cool. Thanks. Congratulations on the accomplishment. Hey, thanks. So post the rural diaries... Did you think you were going to write another book? How did the best like you talk a little bit about diaries. it in the book, but like how did the how did this book come to be? How did you birth this guy? It wasn't until I started doing press that I realized that I only picked like hard word, like rural diaries is a hard <laughs> thing to say. And then grimoire girl is a hard <laughs> thing to say. And so in doing all these interviews, when I see someone else like take that pause before they say it, makes me feel like a jerk. Um, <laughs> I started writing this book actually when I was working in Wilmington. And back then it was called something very different. I was living in this haunted house in downtown Wilmington. Well, you know, I, I lived in a haunted house in downtown Wilmington and I wanted to talk to you about it. Because mm-hmm. where was your house? I was on what? Nun Street. I was living in this like super haunted house. I knew that the ghost in my house was a chick that had Same been with an me. artist. Same with me. Uh-huh. Learned all about her. And I started wait, writing how did this you, book. Wait, how did you learn all about her? Because the neighbors were still alive. My neighbor, Rabbi oh. George, told me who it was. And then oh. I marched my little ass down to that public library and started printing out every single like microfiche they had on her. That's um, amazing. I have a whole catalog of information on Hester Donnelly, the woman who haunted my house. So, but I started writing this book called Spinster Chic. When I was 24 <laughs> years old, which is so embarrassing, That's, by the way. No, I love it. Truly amazing. And so I basically just rebranded Spinster Chic because I realized that none of my habits changed, even though I had kids and got married. I just stayed the same, like, cranky old lady. Right. Yeah. That's I mean, so interesting. Now, do you feel like you kind of formed a bond with Hester? What was the sure. deal? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she was probably so glad to have another artist in the house. Well, she hated dudes. Um, (laughs) Anytime guys were in the house, seriously, like my boyfriend was terrorized. Um, My little brother worked on the show with me. And so he would invite girls over and they'd be like kissing in one room and then shit would fly off the walls (gasps) in the front parlor. And you would find like picture frames, nail still in the wall, the string still attached to the back. And they're not broken, but they're just in the middle of the room. Wow. And candles would get lit, like, during storms. My boyfriend would see someone in our bedroom a lot. 
Um, and it turns out that Hester's mother had died in my bedroom. Mm. Oh my gosh. But the chicks all were great to me. They were fantastic. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah, where was your place? I can't remember. It was off market mm-hmm. and like 15th. I oh, think. yeah. That's where the weed dealers all lived when I was there. <laughs> Not that I bought weed, but I knew they had great parties. And they were always like, we're bohemians. Come hang out. It was by that cemetery. <laughs> People were probably there, seeing you know. a lot of ghosts around there. Yeah. I think that's where it was. Or it was like off 12th, maybe. I, okay. I can't remember exactly where it was. In between Market and Dock. I know that. Mm-hmm. And But mine... My my ghost was like she was sad and she was crying and it oh, was no. sad and it was sad and I didn't know how to help her and I was also sad <sighs> because I was there and yeah. um and it was like very it was like it was a it was really a bummer and it was like one of those big old Victorian mansions that they sort of split, split into up. apartments yeah and so um. Yeah, and that so was I probably was like, confusing for her. Yes, and because she was in the main hallway oh. and would like walk back and forth. And Did other tenants hear it so that you were well, validated? <laughs> no, no, no. But my ex-boyfriend did. Okay. So okay. at yeah. least I did have somebody else who heard it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, I talked to I knew it was a female I knew it was a woman I could tell um and I talked to her and was just like I really need to sleep like please I know that it's it's it would be like between three and four in the morning she, yeah. it would be the walking would start and I'll just be like oh my god I gotta sleep honey I'm so sorry I don't know what to what to tell you I don't know what to do I don't know what you want from me also yeah. I'm really overwhelmed right now and I don't think I can help yeah. like I'm I'm not the one. I'm not the one. I know you think I am because clearly you think I am. Maybe I was, but I didn't, I don't know. It's really interesting what you're both saying about these ghosts. They kind Uh of were like mirroring the energy it seems like you had. This has been studied, ladies. So I finished my book, right? And I had gotten a tattoo while I was writing this book of a two-headed snake, um, like some Medusa imagery on my hip and went about my business. And so I finished this book and I finished it down in the city. I came back up here to the Hudson Valley and I went to my bookstore and I was trying to get a gift for a girlfriend of mine back in Wilmington. And this book kept falling off the shelf. And I was getting so frustrated that I couldn't make this other book stay on the shelf. And finally I pick it up and it's called The Haunting of Alma Fielding. And so I had just finished all the chapters on the ghost that lived in my house in Wilmington. And I picked this book up and it's about this researcher in England who was studying women who claimed to be affected by poltergeist and the supernatural. And what they found is that people who are going through trauma are more susceptible to this kind of activity because your brain chemistry, every cell in your body is at a heightened uh, awareness. And all of a sudden, you know, you're just vibrating on a different frequency. Yeah. And in the first chapter of this book, this woman who wrote it is talking about her cab driver who tells her she needs a talisman for protection and he wears a two-headed snake on his little charm. And it's got some funny name that I can't remember right now, but I 
I'd literally just gotten that tattoo. And I was like, oh, I'm supposed to read this book and be able to draw the line between my trauma on that job and the fact that I was living in this like incredibly haunted house. Right. And I do think there is a connection between the two because since mm. I've felt steadier in my life, I haven't experienced that kind of activity. Right, because you've Ooh. talked about this on your podcast that you yeah. have with your One Tree Hill co-stars about yeah. how as much as we loved it as fans, it was pretty fucking rough to work on. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it was a rough go. We made the most of it, though. I mean, Busy, you know that Wilmington is a really fun town. There's parts yeah. of it that are magical, and we all made friends there that are fantastic. But when you confront the insidious stuff. Yeah. You have to do it head on. And so, yeah, it was an adventure doing that on our podcast while writing this book and also processing all of this kind of past tense ghost activity and wow. kind of drawing the line between all of it. Wow. I mean, now, she- obviously, now I'm just like sitting here thinking about mm-hmm. my own experience with... That girl, that girl, that that girl ghost. That Did ghost. you know ghost her girl? name? No. We could probably still find it. There's probably more information now than there was when we were there. Well, for sure. I mean, you were like, you took the initiative to like go to the library and microfiche. Like, <laughs> I'm sure. Like, you guys have to understand, listening, those, those of you listening, I mean, internet did not exist no. when I did Dawson's Creek. No, y'all, and- we were had like Friendster. That was it. Oh, yeah. I loved Friendster. We, but I didn't even have that then, I don't mm-hmm. think, when I first, when I started The Creek. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Did I? Maybe. But I it was way, just We like, need to start Ghoster so we can stay in touch with our ghosts. Ooh. Oh, my God. Casey, that's, <laughs> that's such a good genius. idea. <laughs> I love that. Okay. I posted this, like, meme, you know... Cause I just my entire page is just memes, but it's like you know you have ADHD when you like don't remember to eat until four p.m. and that and it's so me because I get like very focused on tasks and right. like I go do my pottery or I'm doing the podcast or whatever and then you know you've seen it I've, you've been a part of it you guys even have been a part of it because then you're like stop eating on the podcast and I'm like guys. I don't know what to tell you. I forgot to eat. And (laughs) so this brand reached out to us. And I got to tell you, you know what it is? It's been a game changer. Yeah. Okay. They're called Chomps. You guys have maybe seen them because I had seen them before in a grocery aisle checkout. And I was like, hold on a second. Is this the thing that changes my life and prevents me from... It being 4.30 p.m. And I'm like, but it's too late to eat anything. And it's too early for dinner. And (laughs) chomps are so good because it's like a very easy on-the-go snack. You can throw it in your purse. You can have it in your car. They're high protein, zero sugar, come straight to your door. Guys, It's they're like meat sticks. They're sticks of meat. You know know what they are. You're familiar. But the thing about chomps is they're like— they're the meat stick of the future because they're actually good for you. Protein, no sugar. Sugar's not my friend. We've been longtime Chomps fans in my house. And it started that I was getting them to put in the cabinet for the guys, you know, because they, like you, are always running around and they don't always 
have a meal. So I figure, oh, they can take this and then they won't like black out when they're out with their friends or whatever. But then I started to have some as a treat and realized it's not really just a treat. It's actually like a useful snack for me. There's no additives. They're low-carb, keto-friendly, allergy-friendly. There's no fillers. It's just natural ingredients. And Chomps only sources from farmers who raise animals humanely and farm responsibly. Like, that's a big deal to me because we should all be aware. It's something to think about, yeah. And Chomps sticks, nine different flavors. There's something for everyone. A variety pack is great. I got cricket on the Chomps. (laughs) The taco flavor. The taco flavor is so good. (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. And like, I know that if I have a Chomps stick in my bag and like an apple. You're safe. I'm safe. I'm safe. I'm going to be okay, guys. I'm going to be okay. Um, Right now, Chomps is offering you, our listeners, 20% off your first order and free shipping when you go to chomps.com slash best. Go to chomps.com slash best for 20% off your first order and free shipping. It'll come straight to your door. You're going to love them. That's chomps, C-H-O-M-P-S dot com slash best. Don't forget to use our link so they know that we sent you. You're going to love them. Hungry root, hungry root. I'm hungry. And that is the root of my problems. (laughs) My stomach is growling right now. I'm surprised you can't hear it. I'm trying to. I can't hear it. I do want to say that, you know, figuring out what's for dinner is a thing that has historically speaking, always stressed me out. I'm done with it. I'm not deciding anymore for the rest of my life. Well, I mean, it's a good thing that Hungry Root has entered our lives because um, Hungry Root fills your fridge with healthy food and simple recipes so you can fill your days with other things. Like we're all just doing all the other things anyway. And then it comes to the point where you're like, oh shoot, what's for, what am I making for dinner? Right. Especially now that Crix is back in school, I can imagine you need this more than ever. I need it more than ever. And (laughs) I'm, I, I, and you know, I, you guys, I hate grocery shopping in this city. I hate it. (laughs) I hate it so much. The groceries are bad. It's impossible to let my, literally, Casey's watching me. I'm like, I've been rubbing my shoulder since we started doing this because I'm like, my shoulders are sore from lugging things (laughs) back and forth constantly. And then on top of it, and I don't even know what to make. And uh, anyway, Hungry Root is truly the easiest way for me and you especially for me, to get fresh, (laughs) high-quality food delivered to my door, healthy groceries, simple recipes. You can take a quiz. I just want to shout out how easy the recipes are. I've done a million meal kits before. And like the whole point of a meal kit, I thought, was that you can like whip up a home-cooked meal in like 10, 20, 30 minutes most. So Hungry Root does that. And they're really super, super tasty. Guys, We can't recommend Hungry Root enough. It goes above and beyond. (laughs) Just a weekly grocery haul. 
Yeah, because you get um, the recipes. Then you also get like pantry staples and snacks and treats and all those kind of things too. It really gets you through the week. It's all going to get used and you're not going to find like a, like a wild rotting item in the back of your fridge in three weeks and be like, what did I even get that for? <laughs> what did I think I was going to do with a rutabaga? You know what I mean? Um, guys, spend less time shopping and cooking, more time enjoying healthy food that you're going to love with Hungry Root. Right now, Hungry Root is offering our listeners 30% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go what? to HungryRoot.com slash busy to get 30% off your first delivery and get those free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash busy. Don't forget to use our link so they know that we sent you. I want to look, I do want to look it up. I have to find, I have to literally find the address, like where I lived. I remember thinking about it at some point in the past, I don't know, 20 whatever years that um, (laughs) I wanted to, I wanted to look it up at some point, the history, who this person was. I like had a feeling that she was like a girlfriend or a mistress. Like she was like not, like she was like mourning. I don't know. I It was tragic. She wasn't Whatever acknowledged. Was. She yeah. wasn't acknowledged. It was like, it felt very, tra- it felt very, very tragic and sad. She felt so sad. Oh, I'm um, sorry. I know. I know. My ghost was a lesbian. And I always thought that just based on like the crowd she hung out with and some of the information that I got from the library. And I just like got that vibe. We heard like a dude's voice in the house. And then when I found her obituary, she was described as gruff and wonderful and was noted for her deep voice. Like she used to go to Thalian Hall, which is the historic theater in Wilmington, and heckle bad shows. Oh my gosh. She was one of like the founders of the like theater club in Wilmington. And oh my um, God, you're yeah. being haunted by like a theater bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so then when I was doing research for this book, I'm like, did I make all this up? And I got in touch with my old neighbor, Rabbi George. And I'm like, George, what was the vibe with Hester? Like, did she have boyfriends or maybe girlfriends? And he's like, oh, Hillary. <laughs> I tried to rent a room from her friend Virginia and they would not rent to me because I was a straight man and they said they didn't like my kind and the gay men kept the house better. Like they, oh, these women were like out and proud during this time when it wasn't acceptable. So all like the treatment that my brothers and like boyfriends got, it always made sense to me. Now, then it made sense. I love that. I live in a mid-century modern house, which I think is like the brightest, most open, non-haunted type of house. But we're getting to the time where there's going to be mid-century modern ghosts. Oh, yeah. You know, like (laughs) some Peggy Olsen. My ghost died in the 90s. She only died a couple. She might have still been alive while you were there, Busy. Like, oh, my God. (laughs) Whoa. Yeah. That's mind-blowing. That time, time is wild. Yeah, 90s ghosts are a whole vibe. <laughs> Just, oh, my God. We're going to be ghosts one day. It's going to be so fun. Who will we haunt? I tell my kids all the time. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to haunt the shit out of you. <laughs> this is so gross. This is too gross to say on the podcast. 
One time I cleaned my hairbrush and took out like a wad of bleach blonde hair. And like for a joke, I handed it to my husband and he was like, oh, I love this. And then he would like put it in his nightstand. And I was like, Mm -hmm. the real joke is going to be on our kids when he leaves that in there for 40 years and they find a wad of mom's hair in dad's drawer. Doing with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's magic. And you guys would have been accused of witchcraft 300 years ago. Exactly. So. Oh, sure. You're exactly right. Oh my mm. gosh. I know oh I would have been. I also just feel, well, like, you know, I have these, I do these like really deep meditations. And do you remember the one that I did, Casey, where I was like, that ex boyfriend of mine, I was like, in a past life, he, we were witches and he turned me in. Oh, oh right. no! Remember that? Right? Oh, no. Yeah. Yes. That's stressful. Seems about right. It, and it and it is right. No, but it is right. I know mm-hmm. that it's true, guys. I know it. <laughs> I lived on fifth. I lived on fifth. <laughs> yeah, fifth is not fifteenth. I was. No, I, I was lived, between I second and fifth. third. Oh, okay. okay. All right. So so we I were lived only on a couple fifth. blocks apart. Yep. Wow. That's it. Why do we think Wilmington's such a haunted town? Because the history there is everything so in the South. Up. Yeah. Yeah. Is haunted. Yeah. You're from yeah, the yeah. South. I'm from Virginia. Yeah. And where I come from, it's like right where West Virginia and Virginia and Maryland and DC all meet. And so you have a lot of people that are highfalutin and work for the government, but then also like a really large rural Appalachian community that mixes in with that. And it's a weird way to grow up because there's this duality that you assume exists everywhere and it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, No, no. So they were like kids with gun racks on their pickup trucks coming to school, but also like diplomats kids. It was a weird... Right. And people that work in D.C. Mm -hmm. And because my ex-husband, you know, is from Maryland, like just outside of D.C. and then went to school in Virginia. He went to JMU. Um, oh, so I know JMU. Yeah, so I'm weirdly familiar with the with the, <laughs> with Nova with, with Northern Virginia. <laughs> Just how yeah how and and Danny McBride is from there. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because yeah, he came to do Eastbound while we were still working on uh, One Tree right. Hill. Right, and there right. was that Virginia contingent. What I liked about growing up in an area where history is so prevalent is that it's tangible. Like you can yeah. walk through the streets of Alexandria and be like, all right, like crazy things happen here. Um, Wilmington has that same energy where- It really does. You are walking on the same exact cobblestones that existed when there were like pirates, you guys. They right. loved Oh yeah, there pirates were pirates so in Wilmington. <laughs> the pirate tunnels that would lead into the bars. Remember that was always like oh a- Oh my gosh. It was like Lula's Tavern and there was a pirate tunnel let up. No, Hillary, I think you you were definitely there. You were in Wilmington way longer than me because I was only there for two years yeah. of my life. And you were there for six. Six. And then I kept my house for a little bit longer. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Six years is a long time. It's a marriage. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. And they it dupe is, you when you're young. They're like, yes. Just contract. It's like a prenup. You can get out when you want to. And you're you like, can't. okay. <laughs> you can't. You can't really happen that way. Yeah. No. But also what's interesting too is it was of the time, I mean, it was of the time when you were doing 22 episodes a year. 
Right. So you're there yeah. nine months out of the year. Like, it's not like now if you were to do a TV show in Wilmington, you'd probably be there for three months. Right. Yeah. No, it, w- it was like full-time commitment and it was your whole life. And yes. I feel lucky that I had worked at MTV beforehand. So had gotten to see a lot of other TV shows come through and kind of crash and burn. And so I knew that it wasn't, I don't know, be all end all, but I also was really like, sure. It was going to go forever, which is why I bought a house season one. Right. You know, then it did go forever. It did. Um, which still blows people's minds. (laughs) (laughs) Kissing and crying, man. Kissing, Kissing and, crying. and crying. People love it. They do. They really do. That's why people <laughs> love this, like, Taylor Swift, Travis, <gasps> Kelsey football stuff, because it's One Tree Hill. It's just kissing and oh crying and sports. <laughs> I saw your things. message of of support for them. You're very invested in them as a couple, Because huh? you know what it signifies? We dealt what? with so many years of straight terror right? Where every single day we open the news and it was a nightmare. And so if the biggest news in our country is that a pop star and a football player are making out, I applaud it. I love it. I want it all day. That's how, this is how I feel about the reunification of Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. Like (sighs) I want to analyze their facial expressions in paparazzi photos all day, all day. Mindlessness. Yeah. I want fluff. (laughs) Tired. So tired. And I'm so grateful to them for giving it to us, you know? (laughs) Better them than us, right? (laughs) I don't want to do what I was doing in 2002, but I mean, yeah, you I well, you're in a celebrity power couple too. So you know the other half of it where I'm gonna tell him you said that. Jeff will be really happy that that's how you defined this. (laughs) Talk about ghosts. He's one of my favorite ghosts of all time. He is ghost sex personified, which is hilarious to me. The whole Denny coming back from the dead. And like, I watched that when I was pregnant with our son because I'd oh never God. seen him in anything. Oh my God. And that's a Wait, really good. How did you guys meet? We got set up on a blind date. Uh, it, it was a CW blind date. It was. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jensen Ackles, who was on Supernatural, and yes. Neil Ackles, who was on my show, uh, they were together and they got so sick of me bringing around waiters from Wilmington and just like <laughs> randos. Stop it. That they were like, Hillary, you have a mortgage. You need to meet someone with a mortgage. Be an adult. <laughs> and so Jensen was like, I'm going to introduce you to my TV dad. And I was like, okay. Wow. It's going to go great. Yeah, it did. It went oh, great. My God. That's hilarious. Wait, that's kind oh of amazing. God. Jensen was also on Dawson's Creek. Yes, he was. Yes. That's how I knew him. Well, they would try out, like you guys, here's how it worked. I mean, <laughs> they would try out the WCW at the time. No, wait, the WB. WB. It was the WB yeah. at the time. And then it became the CW. Right? Is that right? Yeah. It didn't become it the CW until yeah. like season be- four of our show. Yeah. Right, right, right. I was I was in the WB days. Um, the WB would do a thing where they would like, if they liked an actor who they were thinking, or if you, I don't know if you, were you, did you have like a contract with them? Were you one of those? Because like Chad no. Michael Murray, I know, had like a deal. He was yeah. like on a deal with the WB. And so like they put him on Dawson's Creek to like try him in front of mm-hmm. audiences and see 
how much the girls fucking loved him so that they could be like, okay, he's definitely can be the lead of a show. Yeah. yeah. And so there were like a lot of guys like that, people that came through. You, I mean, Padalecki. 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 Yeah, dude. Yeah, we all cycled through. I, um, no, I cycled through with you. They, no, they tested I was say, me with you. Wasn't it, I know, wasn't your, wasn't it your first like proper sort of acting job yeah. on set? Yeah, I remember you, talking to and you. And you're the reason that I did okay. Because, so listen, I had been the biggest Freaks and Geeks fan, like the biggest, uh-huh. and could not say that out loud because I didn't want to be a dork. I had to go down to Myrtle Beach. Yeah, we were filming in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Ugh. And it was like Dawson's does spring break. Um, I don't know it if was we've been the talking about episode. this. Can we talk about this because we're on strike? I don't know what the rules are. I mean, we're. I don't think we're supposed to, but I don't know. Well, here's here's the gist. I'm gonna, without I'm talking gonna make about a the rule. job. Yeah, don't talk yeah. about the show. Talk about like no you guys. So anyway. I'm like a super big fan of Busy's, and I have been acting since I was a child, but hadn't done, certainly hadn't done like teen drama. I was like a theater kid. And I get this crazy opportunity, but I have to play myself, which is so horrifying for anybody, right? Like play a character all day. Great. Play yourself and have someone else write the dialogue, and it's mortifying. Right. And so I was kind of the odd man out because I'm not really a actor. I'm a VJ, playing a VJ. And Busy was so nice and sought me out and was like, do you want, like, basically, do you want to sit at our lunch table? And I was such a fangirl and was trying really hard to be cool and was like, yeah, that sounds like cool. Yeah, cool. I guess so. (laughs) And I just remember us like out on this fake MTV stage at Myrtle Beach. And then going out for drinks that night. Yeah. And now I had a boyfriend back home in New York and it was like pre-cell phone days. You know, there was no way for me to tell him what our game plan was, but you, me, and Carrie Delaney went out. Yes. And we didn't get home (laughs) until the wee hours (laughs) of the Myrtle Beach morning. Yeah. And meanwhile, my boyfriend back in New York had called the police because Uh-oh. he hadn't heard from me. Oh my god! And it was like I a, didn't know that part. I don't think. Well, you told I wasn't going to tell you that. No, but, but that's amazing. But you were so incredibly kind and inclusive. And when you're a VJ, you're on the outside, right? Like you're the interviewer, right? And everyone is like, "You're not the talent. Get out of here." And busy. That experience was one of the first where I was invited to sit at the lunch table. And it really was super kind and set the tone for how I would treat people when they would come on our show. You know, it was like, hey, the new kid is probably feeling some big feelings. Invite them over. You know, it was good. Good example. (sighs) That's really nice to hear. Yeah, you were a nice kid. I, I, listen, I just, you know, spent enough time not being asked to sit with the cool kids. And so I do think that it made, it made me acutely aware, especially on sets. It's so like, it's so complicated. You're walking in. I always say that I think that guest stars have the absolute hardest job because series regulars, like the people that you're watching week after week, they know the crew, they've all been hanging out together, they yeah. have speak a shorthand. And so if you mess up 
if I mess up on Girls Five Up or on whatever, on the show that I'm on right now, if I mess yeah. up on the show that I'm on right now, like, it's no big deal. We can all laugh about it. A guest star is coming in, you know, maybe they haven't been on camera in four months. Yeah. Maybe they haven't had a job in a minute. And mm-hmm. they have all this pressure to nail their five lines. And nailing right. five lines is harder than doing sure. an entire show. I'm just saying it's the hardest, most thankless job. So Yeah, you don't get really, to get in any kind of groove. You don't. No. I'm no. Just, you have a second to do it and that's it. No. And when I had started that show um, in particular, there were mm-hmm. not people on the cast, but I had some like not great moments with other people where I felt like really made, I was really made to feel like very unimportant and like mm-hmm. my experience was the least of anyone's concern and I yeah. was just you should just be you're lucky to be here and just like it really was defining for me you know that so, anytime people basically tell you to know your role mm-hmm. as a young person <laughs> you know you want to be a pleaser you want to be like yeah okay yeah 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 no 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 I don't want to rock the boat um and I think as we get older, we know our role and, like, can feel a little bit cocky about it. Like, we've earned the ring. Like, yeah, yeah, we yes. know our role. And yeah, everybody yes. else, you know. But, yeah, empowering empowering girls in particular to band together the way that you, you know, like, made me feel included, I think is important because for a long time we have been pit against each other and it's oh like gosh, actually that's that's your competition she's coming in to replace you you know that kind of energy right. was really prevalent when we were young and hopefully oh gosh, the tide's 100%. turning now we talk about it all the time hillary just about how like and i love slash feel so like i'm about to turn to dust whenever i talk to women from current generations, not that we're like past generations or whatever, but like (laughs) in the the 90s, it was like we we all in entertainment were under the the trend, whatever you want to call it, the horrible trend of there can only be one girl. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Every show that I ever worked on, there was one woman writer. Every, Mm -hmm. you know, every ensemble cast of everyone that I knew, it was like five guys and a girl and whatever restaurant they were running. You know what I mean? Like that was the, that's why, that's why I think Friends to this day is such a phenomenon. It was like one of the first shows like geared to younger people where it was like balanced, you know? It wasn't just like one manic pixie dream girl surrounded by a a group of guys. Oh man, I always wanted to be a pixie dream girl. (laughs) It wasn't in the cards. It wasn't in the cards. It's not in the cards for us, Hillary. It's not in the cards for us. I have a question about the We always get cast as the same person, like the angry loud girl. (laughs) (laughs) That's not surprising to me. We're soft. Although... Although I do, oh my gosh! In my in my later years, no, because I would say the show I was on with Courtney, <laughs> and then the show that I'm on now, I I'm very much the like white trash be makes like like mm. turns Real Housewife vibe. Like that's the archetype. Is that an archetype? Yeah. Right. Yeah, kind of. I see. Um, I feel Wait, like your I, current I, characters now are always on a trajectory to becoming thoughtful. 
and outspoken. <sighs> yeah. The only thing that I've ever wanted to do, and Hillary, I just feel like you're you're the same. I just only am inferring this from like the time we've spent together as as humans and um and reading your books. <laughs> but like I just always try my hardest to take what a lot of times seems like a very one-dimensional woman Mm -hmm. and put whatever is underneath it that is causing the outward appearance of X. Like, so if it's like, she's the bimbo, it's like, but right, but what is the deep deeper thing underneath it. And it's, I mean, always trauma in my, yeah, in my the backstories. Wound? Yeah, I mean, right. it's always, you know, like it's always like a deep, like a deep sadness and wanting to belong. Like, yeah. and so I feel like that's what makes you love people. That's what makes me love people. Sure. You know, oh, man, I used to say, I will always pick like dumb and kind over mm. like popular and smart and conniving, you know? Yeah. I want, I, I look at the parts that I've played the same way in that I've played bad guys, like bad guys, like people who like steal their best friend's boyfriend and real villains. Um, I break up marriages, but I'm going to make you love me. Like my job (laughs) is to always make you understand it, to validate it and make you love me. Um, And I, I yeah, my husband does the same thing. And I really, I like watching actors do that. Just be like, ooh, this is unredeemable but I'm going to make you love it. Yeah. Or just that you like, yeah, or you end up sort of questioning your own feelings about a character. You're like, wait, why do I love her when she's being so horrible? When someone can feel about like a villain. Yeah. Yeah. How I feel about all of like Vanderpump Rules kids. I'm like, oh God, you guys are all so terrible. Wait, do you watch, do you watch a lot of reality shows? No, just that one. Just the Vanderpump Rules. I know the Vanderpump Rules kids, some of them. I worked with them for a long time. You did? Yes, they're, they're, they're real folks. I have a soft spot in my heart for even the worst one you could name. I could tell you something mm -hmm. to love about that person. That's it. That's it. Everybody gets their moment of redemption. And you all see that we're all just 10-year-olds deep down. And so, you know, my 10-year-olds. And we want to sit with someone at lunch. Yeah. Yeah. We're all broken little babies until someone's nice to us and we get to heal. Right. Wait. So I saw Sophia um, last week at the... Global citizens thing. Yes. And so I know Sophia that Bush, drama, in case you don't so, know. Oh, you guys, you knew I was you, talking about Sophia Bush. Everybody knows. <laughs> She's like Cher. You. you can just call her Sophia. <laughs> Sophia. Um, but so I know that Drama Queens is like about to ramp up for season three. Is it season three? Well, so it's weird because each season of the podcast is like two seasons of the show. Okay. So we're starting to cover season six of the show that we did together. But it's, yeah, season three of the podcast. You feel me? Weird uh, math. While it is sort of a recap, I mean, not recap, but like a, in in a A way, a rewatch podcast, it's so much more than that. It's not really. In case people haven't watched it. Yeah, I mean, it's- Not watched it, listen to it. It's a little bit of memoir, right? Because- There's so much, as you know, that goes on behind the camera. And 
informs the performances and informs a lot of the storyline on that show because they would rip stuff from our real life in a way that because we were young, we thought it was totally normal. And now that I've gone to do other jobs, I'm like, oh, they don't raid your personal trauma for storyline? That's crazy. I mean, um, I will say that that has happened to me in my career more times than I can yeah. count. It's, like across all different kinds of shows. Really? Yeah. It's yeah, never it really happened has. to me again. <laughs> but then again, like I've been playing insurance investigators, you know? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say like on a proceed. Well... You don't have a oh, lot of insurance-based trauma? No, believe it or not, I've never had to like go repossess a car. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> Knock on wood. <laughs> well, there's time, right? <laughs> there's always time. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, wait. So, okay, wait, sorry. Continue talking about the podcast. Yeah, and I mean, we have a good time together. And I think it is healthy and normal to reminisce, not just about like the good fluffy stuff, but also to get down in there and explain to people what the root cause of some of our reactions are. Because the feedback that we've gotten said a number of young women are like, thank you so much for addressing this. I felt bad about supporting the show when we found out all this like horrible stuff. But when you guys go through and highlight the good stuff, it gives us the opportunity to take it back and to enjoy it in a different way um, and to see how much work we put into defending the characters and defending the storylines. And so the feedback from young women has been really, really wonderful. Um, And yeah, it's just, it's nice. I don't know how many examples of Me Too stories have turned into women completely taking their work back. Like right. usually it's like, I this job was really hard for me or I was dismissed from this job and there's no comeuppance. There's right. no resolution. And so in doing this podcast, that's resolution. You know, we are able to work and take care of our families and own the own the performances that we put out as young people without the shame of all that other stuff that was attached to it. I love that so much. And I love that the three of you have this friendship that has stood the test of time and that you're still here and able to support each other through talking through some of this difficult stuff and like affirm for each other, uh, like what actually happened. Because well, like, it's like mm-hmm. ghost stories, right? Like you yeah. feel less crazy mm-hmm. if someone yeah. else experiences the ghost. We all, when we right. finally started talking, felt less crazy when we all started talking about the ghost of that job. Right. Because right. we've all been gaslit so much. I feel like we <sighs> begin to gaslight ourselves about like, did that even really happen? Or yeah. was it as bad as I thought it was? So to have someone else be like, no, I saw it. I was there. I felt it too is a huge, huge deal. Yeah. Right. And part of what's so complicated, especially in you know, discussing any of the issues of working in the entertainment industry as young women in the time that we, all of us, were Mm -hmm. coming of age and working in the entertainment industry is that we're viewing it from now, right? We're Mm -hmm. looking back on ourselves from now. And at least for me, I don't, you know, I had a great deal of like, fuck, why didn't I X, Y, and Z? Why didn't I say, why didn't I? And my therapist I mean, obviously says the obvious thing, which is that like, you cannot view 
those experiences through the lens of you today because, you know, I I was feeling guilty or feeling bad. And I love that you guys are able to take ownership over the show that like, by the way, you should be making money, more money on that. You know, it's like Girl, you're nothing. you're able to like generate a whole new story from that job for the three of you. And I just like, oh, I just love it so much. Hey, thanks. Yeah, it's nice. I don't know. I, I sat in silence for 10 years about yeah. it because when I left, it was like, why is Hillary leaving? Why is Hillary leaving? Yeah, it was a big deal when you left that show. Because I, if I said something, it, you know when Nicolette Sheraton was like suing mm-hmm. Desperate Housewives? Yes. And then they, that smear campaign against her mm-hmm. just like exploded. I was told that's going to be you if you run your mouth. And so I just had to keep my mouth shut for a long time. And I would... Once the show ended, then I could talk, right? And I would try to like rally the troops and no one was really interested. Right. And it was just me, the loud one, you know? Because I think we were also trained that like if you are just well-behaved, like people will think of you as easy to work with. And Oh, yeah. I was quiet about so many things for so long too, Hillary, and I don't think it ever did me a damn bit of good. It didn't. Fuck no. No. It, no, it really dude. didn't. So I'm so happy that you spoke up and like told the truth about things. And because you empowered other people to do that as well, obviously. Yeah. I mean, we've got, I, I've got a daughter, you know, right? she's going to look at this shit because, you know, our, our parents had the gift of no internet, but right. the things that we do are going to like live forever, whether we like it or not. And I mm-hmm. really need my 30 year old daughter to respect the decisions that I made. And so I want to be forward thinking about that because it would be so much easier to just like play nice in the sandbox. Uh, But I don't know. I don't know if I'm capable of it at this point. I feel like... Yeah, I was going to say like, I don't think it's easier. I think it's harder to hold the, the things. I think it's harder to like hold the trauma than to let it go. Like I was more scared. It was, it was scarier to like let it go. But once you do it, you're like, oh, wait, this is feels so much fucking better. Yeah. You don't feel like that hump is a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. There's the once you're over the hump, my husband was like, oh, no, like (laughs) the floodgates have been opened. Cause then I was like, well, if I can say fuck you to that guy, I got a list if y'all want it. And he was like, okay, all right, I'm going to hold your hand through this. (laughs) And he was great because still, even when all that stuff went down, um, people didn't necessarily ask me about it. They asked his opinion. Sure. And his response was, you should talk to my wife. You know what? You should ask her, which was mm-hmm. the best little feminist boy answer he could give. God bless. The totally. response. Yes. Yeah. Just, just <sighs> talk to her. She can do yeah. it. She yeah, can man. She can speak for herself. <laughs> yeah. Don't I worry. I would love to answer this question. <laughs> Yeah. And I guess my feeling about like the business is that I think there are probably some people who don't want to work with me and like, thank God. Yeah. (laughs) That's a thank God. They don't want to work with me. That was going to be a bad experience anyway. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. So like if it costs me some job the way that I have been outspoken and continue to be about 
my own experiences or the world or what's happening, then I'm not, I should not be working with those people anyway. Those are not my people. Those are not. I don't want to be a surprise to anyone. Like, you know what you're getting. No. Right. Here you go. Yes. It's a little bit of witchcraft, a lot of, (laughs) a lot of like anger. It's a, a, might be. Yeah. But I also will like bring cookies to work. There's a tender side there. You just have to like break through. (laughs) Well, you're being your entire self, I think, which again, back to what we were saying, like a lot of women from our generation were encouraged to only show a part of ourselves. And Mm -hmm. so to make it more palatable for, the patriarchy. Yeah. And the I think like this, a teeny bit of a tangent, but I think nobody's buying it. Nobody's buying the silent act anymore yeah. when women from our generation are like, I didn't know anything about any of that that was going on. It was a different fucking time. It was a different time. And we were told what we had to do at that time yeah. to survive in our chosen careers in which we'd invested a lot of work to get where we got. And was it the best? No. But I do think that when women speak up now, We have to be, especially as women, we have to be a little more forgiving and understanding of it was a different time. And this is the only way we knew how to survive in this field. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's different now. And I'm so glad that people are empowered to speak up. But it really, really was just a, and not just a different time, a different fucking planet back then. A different planet. (laughs) that we were on. And so like, no, I didn't understand at that point that I could and maybe should speak up about something. I just didn't. And by the way, like there were a hundred million women before me who didn't. That's who I learned it from that you just, oh my God. Yeah. You stay away from this guy. You don't get in an elevator alone with this guy. You don't take a ride from this guy. You don't go in this guy's house if he answers the door. And that's like how it was. Like I had a list too. You Be know? a good sport. Yeah. Yeah, You know? Mm -hmm. And so now we get to kind of encourage girls who are younger than us to not be a good sport and to push back. And that's fun. That was part of the fun in writing this book is like, hey, man, you don't have to fall into any of the old traps. Just get weird. And the weirder (laughs) you are, it's almost like a litmus test for who you let into your universe. Yes. Like, see who passes these tests. Just be a freak. (laughs) <laughs> you know, the good ones I mean, will stick around. Yeah, I love it. I think, I mean, I really encourage everybody to get the book. I really, because it's like, honestly, it is. It's like a little sprinkling of everything. There's like, there's some potions. <laughs> there's some spells. The book is so good. I'm so happy that we get to know you again as a person. Like, we got to know who you really were when you were so young and first starting out and then you're like playing a character on television for so many years and now we're getting the opportunity to like know you as a grown-up woman and it's <laughs> I, it, it's amazing i'm a i'm a big fan hey, and a mom hey. and a wife and, and a mom and a wife and a friend and a friend a good friend to your good friends hillary we always ask our guests to talk about pivots we have a few minutes yeah. more i don't want to take up your whole day but we know about a lot of your pivots. Like you went from being yourself on television to playing character, as we said. You have had this pivot to being an author. You've had this pivot to being not a spinster. You got married and had a family. You I'm moved still out a of- spinster deep down. <laughs> you moved your family out of Los Angeles because you wanted to live in a different place. But is there like 
any pivot story that you ha- like have that we might not know about where you just thought one thing was going to happen and something different entirely happened? Oof. I mean, I keep getting told that things aren't going to work. When I was a VJ, I was told that no VJs became actors. And then I became an actor and I was told that actors don't become hosts. And then I went back to hosting and I was told that, you know, people who do what I do don't write books themselves. They use ghostwriters. And then I put a book out and it was like, oh, you can't now go produce a docu-series about true crime (laughs) because who are you? You're not a lawyer or a cop, you know? Like, I just kept getting told that I didn't fit the mold. Mm-hmm. I didn't fit the sales pitch for yeah. what I was supposed to be doing. But I just needed like two or three people to be like, yes, you can. And I feel really, really lucky that I've had those people. And so right now I'm in a pivot where I've done these two like memoir, nonfiction books. Yeah. And everyone keeps asking like, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? And I've been quietly working on fiction for the last 20 years. And it's like the the last thing I'm really scared of. And I have these great mentors like Alice Hoffman, who yeah, wrote Practical Magic. And I love Alice an Hoffman. An Australian books. author named Angela Slatter, who uh-huh. is just like, she writes the creepiest, witchiest books. And they're so great. And so to have these women in my corner being like, you can do it, do it. Um, that's the next thing that I have to do. And I'm nervous about it. But I'm also like, fuck it. You know? Yes. What are you going to do? Fail? Okay. I've done that before too. We'll right. be fine. I know. I, I always that. like, I think that is so great. And actually, we have another author on our podcast. Oh, who you do? Made it, yeah. Because mm-hmm. we decided to just do a book week. Yeah. This week. Yeah, yeah. Book who do you week? have? Um, and maybe maybe you've heard of her. Her name is Jerry Hallowell Horner, maybe Stop AKA mm-hmm. Ginger Stop Spice. It right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know that I dyed my hair red in 10th grade <laughs> because I was like a secret Spice Girls fan. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I couldn't let anyone know because I was like, ooh, pop music. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Like, same. I, don't listen. I was yeah. literally at punk clubs and oh. raves and was a secret Spice Girls fan. And yeah. thank God for Walkmans. No one ever knew what we no were No one had to know. To. No one ever knew. No you one could look how you wanted to look with Spice Girls. I drove around you imagine? You can't, pretending. Wait, you, you can't even like a spot, your Spotify like end of year list or whatever yeah. will give you away now. You, we could just, <laughs> I could just pretend. We could be posers no all we wanted. <laughs> You're such a sellout. You poser. Remember that was the worst thing you could say about somebody? <laughs> the worst. Um, but... It's interesting because we're going to, we'll hear it, guys, but Jerry Hallowell Horner has written this fiction book, this big YA sort of epic tale that I actually think your daughter will really like. Um, It's called Rosie Frost and the Falcon Queen. But she talks about how um, people are like, this is bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good. You shouldn't. Yeah. This isn't this isn't for nobody you. Nobody wants she, this. Nobody wants this. And she was like, but I just knew. And so she mm-hmm. found mentors and people and like rethought things and kept working at it. So especially with writing, I think, I don't know. I think there's something really um I think there's something really important about being told no. 
Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? A dude that I went, a guy that I went to high school with, I'm still on Facebook and I talked to all my friends from high school and all my old teachers. And this dude that I went to high school with, Dalton Beckles, had put out a book (laughs) right when Rural Diaries came out. And he made this post and he was like, it's important for me to write a book, not because I think I'm going to sell a lot of copies, but because everything I do makes it really accessible to my kids because they're like, well, my mom wrote a book. My dad wrote a book. I can write a book. Like you're so uncool to your children that anything you do is like a no brainer for them. Of course they can do it. So my job is to collect as many like jobs and hats as possible so that my kids can do anything, you know, if they, you know, want to run a candy store. Cool. We know how to do that. Like you already did it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You want to farm here. So many things. But I like, you know, I was trying to write my memoir. I don't know if people know this. Yeah, they do. We've I've talked about this on the yeah. podcast before, Casey. Yeah. No, but like it, when I was right after Dawson's Creek and I was like, Oh, I that had, soon? Yeah, I had, I mean, right. Like also that's insane that I was writing like a Spinster memoir. About chic, my, man. We're like <laughs> in our 20s, like, I got some lessons to share. I have, I have things to say. <laughs> um, and I remember getting them to the agent, like the book agent at my agency and her having this really deflating call with her where she was like, I just feel like if you want to write a book, like people just want to know like, what was Katie Holmes like on Dawson's Creek? And like, what was it like going to the Oscars? Like that's like (gasps) the kind of stuff people want to hear from you. And I was so dejected and felt really, really, really bummed. And I mean, also, I'm glad that... Sure. Right. Because that, like, what would that book look like now? <laughs> I, I think yeah, about I don't, Right. I mean, right. Yeah. I don't know. But I'm I'm glad. And also a little bit like, I feel like that's a, it's a very common theme in anyone trying to, well, in any woman trying to do anything, right? But like, especially writing when it's not... Mm-hmm your sort of first profession. Can you dumb it down a little bit and <laughs> right. really like like sweet? Um, they traumatize you just enough to shut you down for long enough until you can't not do it anymore. You know what I mean? Right. Like uh-huh. just telling you it's not for you until this voice in your head says, no, it is for you. You have to do it. It doesn't even matter how much that person hurt you and shut you down in the past and and maybe they were wrong. But it's it is tragic in a way that we have to like overcome people's really stupid wrong ideas about what <laughs> yeah. we're trying to do or what we're capable of. Yeah, what we're capable of. Yeah. Um, I I think encouraging girls to be like more Carson McCullers. You know, she released <laughs> her her genius pieces of work when she was like 19, 20 years old. There's Essie more Hinton, Carson she, McCullers. In she the wrote the Essie Outsiders Hinton. when she was 15. Yes. Wait, what? what? I'm sorry. Wait, what? I didn't know this. Yeah. Yes, dude. Yeah. She was like old. a writer on Supernatural. She was like a Supernatural fan and raised her hand and was like, can I write some episodes of this CW show? Oh, my yeah. God. Who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want that? I mean, it's it is wild. And then I want to know like what the what the secret formula is for someone like that, where you're just so like self possessed and and poised and confident at that age. Or maybe she wasn't. Maybe she wasn't confident at all. Who? who or she just had two or three people that were like, yeah, no, I I buy into that. Um, 
And I think, you know, downplaying what women are going through in our country right now is not going to do anybody any favors. No. And so be polite. It obviously hasn't done us any favors. And so mm-hmm. if I personally can radicalize any women out there to create their grimoires and to pick fights and to do, you know, do the Lord's work, whatever <laughs> Lord that is to you, pagan or otherwise, um, that's, you know, that's a good use of my time and energy because we've all done those dumb jobs that feel yuck and that mm-hmm. you're like, okay, well, I'm paying my mortgage and rallying the troops is a good job. That's a fun job. Yes. Yeah. I want to keep doing. Well, thank you for being here. I want to say you sort of talk about how you wanted to leave something for your kids, like how that's really important to you, a legacy or an heirloom or, you know, just like a record. And I feel like you've just done that and then some with just even even to this point, Hillary, and we're only 40 whatever we are. (laughs) You know what I mean? We're 40 think, years old. <laughs> I, just, I think you're younger than me. I'm 44. I'm 41. Yeah. Yeah, we would have gone what? to high school together. You were Babies. the cool senior when I was a freshman wanting to sit at your lunch table. Yeah. Aww. And at that point, I was like, I'm not eating lunch. I'll just be smoking <laughs> I, in the parking lot. Right, right. Oh my God. Listen, you guys, I'm the PTSO rep for the middle school here. And I'm like in the building asking the kids like, well, where, you know, like the middle school and high school are connected. And I'm asking the high schoolers, I'm like, where's like senior court? And they're like, what's senior court? And I'm like, where the bad kids smoke. And they're like, lady, what? are you hundred years old? Like we don't smoke anymore. We vape. Like, oh, you kidding And we just worst. do it walking down the halls. <laughs> yeah. They don't have to hide in somebody's like no. Honda Civic hatchback. They're That's literally what I the- drove, Hillary. That is what <laughs> I drove. Was it like teal green? <laughs> no, it was red and her name was Button. God. I, I was in the Cutlass Salon, which mm-hmm. is not a Cutlass Supreme, but like an 84, 85 Cutlass, not listening to the Spice Girls. So. No. You weren't. <laughs> We 1981 know we, we know Mercury Capri Rally Sport oh, Hala yes. Muscle yeah. Car. See? It was that's kind of that's hot. Bought from an old an old lady. Why did that old lady have a muscle car? It had so few miles you know on why? it. Because she knew she needed to hand it to a girl. <laughs> she knew yeah, that's what right. we're all doing. We're carrying around our cool shit till we can hand it off to a younger girl that's ready, mm-hmm. like ready for it. You yeah. So and if you're, you're my so daughter, smart. you just take it from my closet. So. <laughs> I'm so happy my son's bigger than me now because he can't take my things anymore, but I can take his things. (gasps) Oh, nice. Yeah. There was a period where he was like stealing my, (laughs) he's he's watching me right now. He was stealing all my shirts and my glasses and my cool shoes. Yeah. Sharing shoes. Yeah. Your stuff is mine, son. All right, well, we'll let you go hang out with them. Thanks, guys. Yeah, it was so good to see you. Maybe I'll see you tomorrow night. Yeah, come play. Yeah, I would love to. Um, I have to do this, like, vote mama thing for to try to, you know, rally people to vote. we're trying to save the planet. I understand. Listen, just a little bit, but I would love to celebrate some witchcraft as well. Everybody get Hillary's book, Grimoire Girl. Listen to her podcast. Season three is coming up. We'll be looking out for the the premiere of that. And uh, it's so, I'm so 
excited to meet you. I yeah, don't get in the city. We'll go. I don't get starstruck trouble. too often, but I was was very excited to get to meet you. This she was this very day. excited. Thanks. <laughs> oh, well, now I'm red. Oh. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, I appreciate you both so much. Keep up the fight. I appreciate Thanks, you. You too. Yay. Thanks, okay, Hillary. See you soon. Have Bye, a great day. Bye. Uh, she's, she's so great. I know. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think is going on with Gina right now? Gina, I think, is being haunted by something right She's now. Haunted. But it's probably just like one of our dogs does the same thing. Um, she and just gets very. Out. That's what she does. She gets very angry when the person, like whoever is not paying attention to her and addressing some need that she has, even though she's been for a hundred walks and been given a hundred foods. Yeah, and she's fine. I gave her a hundred rubs, a hundred everything, but she just, it's just her personality. It's our dog, Millie. And we always say that her personality is exactly the same as Eli's, who it, she's Eli's dog. Mm. And so, um, I don't know. And then... At some point, she gets exhausted by herself and passes out. So I think Jean is on the same program as Millie. Today she is. I don't know what her deal is, but I think she's feeling a little bit confused because the rug is gone. Right. She, oh, like, she's been through. She's been through it a little bit. She she just doesn't understand. Yeah, I was gone for the weekend. She's not like that when I'm gone. Yeah, and the, like weird smells. You're talking about there's like a mildew smell in the house, and that always sure. like. Gets a dog all wound up and... Yeah, she was not... Yeah, she's not... She's having a moment. She's having a moment, my little genie Bobini. But she's such a love, so, you know. Um, Wait, should we talk to Jerry and then should we come back? Yeah, then we can come back because it's too exciting to to hold on any longer. I know it is. And also, guys, we just want you to spice up your life. And... <laughs> We were so excited to talk to her. And also, I do think that the two of them, like Hillary and Jerry, go well together. They're in such a complimentary, well a complimentary pairing for like we hardly ever have two guests, but they both have books coming out this week. And we like, wanted to support in real time. Yeah. Yeah. And so here we are. We were so thrilled to have both of these ladies and uh, and their wonderful books. All right. So, guys, here she is. Jerry Hallowell Horner, a.k.a. Ginger Spice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I have to tell you the funniest thing. Um, you know, I did that clothing sale this oh, yeah, yeah. weekend. Uh, I set up like a little cabana, like changing room. Oh, I saw. Yeah. But some of the... Women there were just like, no, the cabana's busy right now. I'm just going to straight up, like, take off my top and try this top on in your Strip driveway. in the cul-de-sac? <laughs> yes, right on the cul-de-sac. The swapping was fast and furious. But two people, two people I saw with their tops off. I was like, oh, honey, love bra. <laughs> Wait, that is amazing. <laughs> but I listen, loved it. Can I be honest? Yeah. It makes sense because <laughs> honey love makes the most comfortable bras. They've like revolutionized the yeah. bra game, I would say, honey love. Yes, agree. There's no uncomfortable underwire and like very bulky, puffy fabric that makes you feel like your boobs are constantly sweating. It's like support that supportive bonding material. 
Which is so, it's like so supportive, but also like flexible. Cause there's nothing I hate worse than getting stabbed in the armpit. It's always stabbing you in a place where you're like, how is my raw even there? You know, like how how did it migrate to that area? Nothing worse. There's literally (laughs) nothing worse. Also, I just want to say, wore it on the nine hour flight back from Sweden. My honey love raw. And guess what? Felt great. I felt great. No better endorsement than that. I mean, that's the truth. It's That is the best endorsement you could get. <laughs> um, but you're going to, if you haven't tried a Honey Love bra yet, sounds like a lot of you have, judging from Casey's anecdote <laughs> of seeing people in their bras over the weekend, um, you should try it. Try it because as soon as you put it on, you're going to feel and see a difference. It's so next level comfortable and the lift is real. The lift is real. You think, how can it be? And then there (laughs) it is. And those boobs look up and perky and great. Listen, for a limited time only, you can get Honey Love on sale. 20% off your entire order, your entire order with our exclusive link, honeylove.com slash best 20. Support our show and check it out at honeylove.com. By the way, support our show and your boobs. <laughs> and check it out at honeylove.com forward slash best 20. I don't know. I'm just tired. I like got sick of bulgy bras. They have like a back smoothing fabric. Yes. You know? And like they look kind of hot. They look hot. They're great. And there's <laughs> no like uniboob. Right. It's mo- separate molded cups. Separate molded cups. (laughs) (laughs) But you guys also, Honey Love has more than just bras. They have really, really comfortable shapewear. Maybe you've heard us talk about the shapewear before. They've got tanks. They've got leggings for everyday support. I feel like that's always been a thing where people are like, oh, the underpinnings are the most important part. And then for a period of time, like everyone just ignored that. Yeah. Then it came back around. But when it came back around, then it was like super uncomfortable, restrictive, and gave you gas. Right. <laughs> and now, and now Honey Love is like, wait, 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 we're here and we're going to just, we're going to make it comfortable, but it'll still look, you'll still look great in your wrap dress. We can do you both. You can still wear the wrap dress and look great, but you're not going to feel like you're going to be farting all the next day <laughs> because of the compression of your stomach. I mean, true story, you know, like I had it's to stop wearing. Some shapewear, guys, because that was not doing good things for my stomach. And Honey Love, when I tried it, I was like, oh, oh, I don't have to feel like I'm suffocating. It feels in good. Order it to feels get, like, like a hug. Yeah, it's it's perfect. Treat yourself to the best shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash best20. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash best20. Cinched. Snatched, lifted, no bulges, comfortable. It's always hot girl season, thanks to Honey Love. Athletic Greens, Athletic Greens. Our old friend, Athletic Greens. Honey, AG1, we love you the most. If you're a longtime (laughs) listener, you know that we love our AG1. For the last... Three years? Three years. Seems wild. <laughs> but it's well, true. Well, I mean, 
I, can I tell you something? I feel better huh. now than when we started out with AG1 three years ago. And I think it's because I'm taking better care of myself, inspired by the way that Athletic Greens makes me feel. It's so easy. Yes. To use and every you know day. You know what's weird? And I maybe you guys can feel me on this. For me, taking a multivitamin daily is like a pain. Like it bums me out. I hate it. I'm like, is it doing anything? I don't even know. Like, ugh, they're giant. I always, it always like scrapes my throat a little. And then I feel like I'm like, that stuck, that stuck feeling. That's you know what I mean? And then for me, stomach upset with a lot of multivitamins that I take. Ugh, the worst. And then AG1 shows up and they're like, Listen, it's just one scoop of AG1 in water. You mix it up and it's got everything that your multivitamin is giving you plus more, plus more. There's prebiotics, there's probiotics, there's digestive enzymes for gut support. There's magnesium for recovery, B vitamins for energy support. There's adaptogens to balance your body's stress levels. There's vitamin C and zinc to help support your immunity. It's like literally everything that you need and more. It also, um, AG1 has a team of doctors and scientists that um, test it for 950 contaminants and NSF certified for sport. I mean, that sounds complicated, but what it really just means is that um, it's formulated based on the latest science and it maintains very high quality standards. I just love it. Boost. I love it a little boost. I love a little boost. We need a little boost. Yeah. We all need a boost. For sure. AG1 is the supplement that we trust to provide support that our body needs daily. And that's why they have been our partners for so Long. I love seeing AG1 in the wild. I love <laughs> seeing too. those boxes down in the mailroom. Yes. If you also want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash busy. That's drinkag1.com slash busy. Check it out. Hi, Jill. Hi, I'm Casey. Nice to meet you. Hello. Hi. I'm Busy. My name's Busy. Hi, Busy. Is that your real name? Busy. Well, I mean, yes, now it is, but it was Elizabeth. What was your real name? Elizabeth when I was my 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 given name was Elizabeth, and then that's very nice. It's like my given name is Geraldine, Elizabeth and Geraldine, Elizabeth and okay. Geraldine. Elizabeth, amazing name. <laughs> I know. Well, the best thing about Elizabeth is that you can literally be called anything. <laughs> was it was it like Busy Lizzie? That was how it sort of. That was like how it sort of started. I think yeah. no, Busy Beth actually. Busy Beth. Mm-hmm. Jeez, that, Elizabeth is such a good name. I know. I call her Elizabeth. When you do sometimes. Okay. And, and yeah. also, okay, when you say I'm busy, you're automatically going. It's complicated. <laughs> That's why I always <laughs> say my name um, is. Sorry. My name I, is. Yeah. Yeah. I always say my name is. My name is busy. Otherwise, people are going to think, all right. <laughs> I've had it happen before. <laughs> <laughs> Where people think I'm rude. 
oh my gosh, guys, this is so exciting. Uh, do you say Casey or Kathy? Casey, Casey, Casey. yeah. What, where are you with all those clothes behind you? Oh, I'm <laughs> looking at, like, we all look at each other's thing. I think I'm looking at Elizabeth. That was that picture of that bloke. Who is that? Um, that's a Chuck Close portrait. I think it's, um, is that Philip Glass? I think it's Philip Glass. Yes, yeah, Philip Glass. The, <laughs> the composer. Yeah. And I'm in the darkness because the sun hasn't come up here in Los Angeles in my office, but I'm pulling out clothes to have a clothing sale with all my friends. A clothing sale. That's so yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Well, how are you going to do it? We're Well, first we're going to swap clothes. Yeah, I'll give you this jump at this sweater for those trousers. <laughs> and then your friend might say, do you know what? I don't, I think my trousers are cashmere, not worth that shitty sweater. <laughs> exactly. exactly, exactly. But I guess we figure if you're not wearing it anyway, you might as well pass it on to someone who's wearing it, who would want to wear it. So it's called upcycling. Upcycling, up-cycling yes. Exactly. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, Everyone awesome. listening, we are so excited because with us is, well, now she's an author. She has been an author, author for a already. long time. Yeah, I was going to say. Has been. <laughs> She's already a very, very best-selling author. Um, but Jerry Halliwell Horner is here. Hello. Known and loved to all of us for so many years as Ginger Spice. Yes. Listen, I know you're probably so tired of talking about your life as ginger spice, but you also have to realize it's a huge deal to us. Oh my goodness. It's a huge part of my life. So, and I'm very proud of it. And I'm incredibly grateful to America. Incredibly. You know what? I always say this, like when my mother was out, she was working, right? And I was at home and I used to, I don't think I would be as successful as I was you know, as I have been, if it wasn't for America, because it's the DNA of American television that taught me that anything is possible and you're allowed to go for your dreams. That's America. America. (laughs) Well, it was. It definitely was. Come on. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. You're you're a big Rocky fan, right? A massive Rocky fan. You think about his, like, journey of, like, yeah, you can do this. Get up and try again. Like America is so inclusive, and no matter where you're from, you're allowed to have a go. I think that's brilliant. I, mean, <laughs> I do too. I, I, Jerry, I loved um, you so much, and you were my favorite Spice Girl. And I did oh, go see you. the Spice Girls Spice World tour in Arizona, where I grew up a, a long time ago. A long um, time. I was, yeah, and it was really one of my favorite nights of all time. Um, I still remember it. Um, and I found my Spice World tour. My older daughter just started boarding school, and I found my Spice World tour poster that I still had, and I sent it to her, and she put it up on her wall in boarding oh, school because she so thought it was nice. so sweet. How old is your daughter? She's 15. Okay. Mate, do you know what? For Obviously, the, everyone's listening to you, but I don't know if they know what you look like, but you look- They do. Uh, they do. I was gonna, mm. oh, they, they know. They know already that you have very nice- <laughs> You both are very attractive. Um, very nice yeah. bone structure. Both of you, cute. Very, thank, thank you. Is that how you say it in America? You're cute. 
You're cute. so cute. You're cute. So cute. Yes, um, we do. But we do I'm actually I'm on a television show in the okay, United so States. Okay, so they know what you look like. Yeah. And, well, um, actually, it might be a little interesting to you, the television <laughs> show that Busy's on, because it's called say. Girls 5 Eva. It's about a group of like former pop stars in a in a girl group who try to reform in their 40s and make a go of it again. It's really not funny. as successful as the Spice Girls. <laughs> I, wanna, I just want to say that. Well, it's um, it's from you know who Tina Fey is. Yes, she's amazing. So yeah, so it's Tina Fey's. It's a TV show that Tina Fey produces. Um, she and- she wrote Mean Girls. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I'm in the no. musical, the Mean Girls mu- musical movie. Okay, that's can we out. just talk about? Okay, so Mean Girls Day is October the third. Right. Yes. Which is the date of your book coming out. Yes. And I was like, yes. Oh my God. What a day to come out. It's the perfect day, right? Isn't that what she says? Are you going to wear pink? I don't know if I'm going to wear pink, but what I will say is, um, I think there's, there's always that mean girl flavor in all of our lives. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to look at Rosie yet, but there is Ottilie, Aragon Windsor, is your ultimate mean girl. Yeah, I mean, we should talk about it. So, you know, we all know Jerry's music, but if you have kids, you might also be familiar with her writing. You had a prior book series, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, which Eugenia was, Lavender. Yeah, I was going to Eugen- say Eugenia. Yes, Eugenia and Lavender. which was a massive bestseller because after being like in the number one selling women's group of all time, which that record still holds. Still holds, by the way, still bangers. Still hold the number one single of all time for a women's group with Wannabe. And then, like, your first book ever that you wrote made you the best-selling women's children's author in 2008, right? So you have this new book out called Rosie Frost and the Falcon Queen. Tell us a little bit about it. Um... First of all, you know, I I always just love um, any medium that connects with, you know, all of us, that gives us something. And Rosie Frost, I think she's, I think the world needs a new hero, someone ordinary, and it's time to find your power. So it's an adventure story, but it's about, you know, and it's for any, any age. You know, it can, if you're a young reader, I would say around 10 but if you're 20 or 30 or 40, my husband's read this book and he uh. really it, which is fantastic. But it's, you know, it's a, it's an adventure and it's full of girl power. It's full of friendship. It's about conservation, um, history based on Bloodstone Island, which is like, um, instead of Jurassic Park, it's endangered animals. But this school is um, entrenched with history. Elizabeth I. We have Elizabeth here, busy Lizzie. Yeah, uh, wait, Anne Boleyn is in the book. Yeah, and Anne Boleyn. Anne Boleyn is um, the mother of Queen Elizabeth I, who was the greatest queen ever. But Anne Boleyn got her head cut off by a horrible husband. So she comes back and, you know, is the ghost queen and empowers Rosie. So it's set in the uh, modern day. Oh, um, that's... And I know my... I have a 10-year-old daughter as well, and um, she and I started reading it together, which I still love to do with my kids, you know? It's so nice Um, because it's just kind of like a bonding. You just get to spend time with your kids. Yeah. Um, But Jerry, I'm so curious because I feel like the common thread through all of your work that you've done, and you've done music, you've been on 
TV shows as, um, you know, the competition shows as, as a host, guest, um, judge, you're constantly really, uh, you know, putting out this message of like, you can be anything, you can do anything. And especially if you're a girl, like, don't let anything stop you girl power. Like, I feel like you were the, you were the one <laughs> to me in the Spice Girls back in the day. You were the one that was like, girl power. Um, and I'm just curious, does that come from your mom? I mean, you said American TV, but where do you think yeah, that just think comes it, from inside you? Accumulative. Obviously, we have examples. We have examples that, you know, my mother, she worked very hard. And then I saw amazing role models, you know, in the media when I was a child that I thought, oh my God, she is okay. I was thinking about well, who are American amazing. Let's call them Falcon Queens, okay? Because <laughs> in Rosie Frost, they have this Falcon Queen gallery, and it's got amazing women, amazing women, and 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 there's a Falcon King gallery, but a Falcon Queen gallery. And okay, so let's look at them. So uh, Frida Kahlo is an sure. artist who just. Def- Bide adversity and just pushed on. Um, let's. Uh, um, I met Ameline Pankhurst. She got the women's vote in England. Um, then you have. Let me say uh, the name of. Uh, let's think of. I was thinking. What's well, like name? in America, I would say Carol America, Burnett. Let's think of some America. Carol Burnett. Yes. Carol Burnett would be Another a good one for Ginger. Okay. Yeah, come, <laughs> come up with some other ones. There is. What's the name of the? Um, the uh, uh, pilot. Um, Amelia Earhart. Amelia Earhart. Yeah, she's American, the first female pilot to go yeah. around the world. She's American. Amazing. Yeah. Um, then I was thinking about Roosevelt. Eleanor uh, Roosevelt. Eleanor Roosevelt. She was pioneering, encouraging, fantastic. Uh, let's look at, you've got other ones. You have Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, she's oh, a, for sure. She, uh, she's in Formidable. She defied her circumstances. She was gorgeous, yet smart as a whip. That's a falcon queen. She was so smart. She was so smart. That's amazing. I love that. I I met another one, Maya Angelou. She, I would say she's probably one of my top. You know, she wrote, I know why the cage bird sings. Okay. Yeah. Which was a pioneering, brave, brilliant novel. Anyone would find that you know, just empowering. But also, she was a poet. You know, she, I borrowed her uh, poem and I asked, her, like, her family, is it okay if I use the lyrics for a song? You know, Phenomenal Woman. She has been an absolute inspiration. But another one you've got is um, Oprah. She's amazing. We love don't her. have to talk to me so about many. Oprah. <laughs> love her. I love we love her. Oprah. Love, we I love quote Oprah. Her. I quote her. Ottilie quotes her. I was a producer of Busy, had a late night talk show here in the United States, and we put on the set a yellow phone that we called the Oprah phone in case Oprah ever wanted to call us on the show. Love and that. then for a Christmas surprise for Busy, I actually got Oprah to call her on the phone. What did she say? She was incredible. She was just like, she She said all the things you want her to say. She was like, I'm proud of you. Keep going. I know it's not easy. Um, it was just, it meant honestly the world to me. It was, it was really okay, so incredibly she, special. Well, yeah. She really epitomizes that, that feeling of never give up. Yeah. Never give sure. up. She story about, in, about getting the role in the color purple, how oh. she really wanted that. And she was, you know, she really was like never gave up hope. 
on that. She wasn't sure where she was going to get. She tells a really inspiring story about it. I heard it. I think it was on a, a podcast about how she got it. But then, you know, spiritually, you know, that's what I always try to do. Do you know what I mean? That's I try to do that in Rosie Frost and the Falcon Queen. There's four rules that help if you can embody that in your own life. But it's wrapped in chocolate. That's so it's fast paced, so to speak. Well, I love that. Exactly. Right. So um, it's that, not, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel preachy, but it just. Right, that's it, what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's still like, it's still like fun and light. That's what I, you said about everything that I've done. I always try and give you value. So, and it's so American that, you know, you have that fast paced adventure and fun, but also you have those spiritual values that, you know, to never give up, um, be brave, have courage. And it's sort of like in the way that you have done it, I mean, starting with Spice Girls and now with the book series and now Rosie Frost, which I am just going to say, I'm going to hope and and think that there are going to be more Rosie Frost. Yes, there is. I've already written number two. I've just given it to the editor. So, yeah. Very exciting. Very very exciting. Um, But I was going to say that I feel like... uh, yeah, you you do sort of imbue this message in a way that is, you know, yeah, wrapped in fun, but also kind of just uh, like permeates everything and makes it feel like gives girls and women, especially, especially not leaving anyone out, but I'm just saying, especially permission to embrace their uniqueness and the thing that makes them them, which is why I've really so appreciated it. Um, all of the work that you've done, Jerry. Oh, thank you so much. And you said you just said something interesting. You said about girls, everyone, and I felt that actually it's important. I th- always think if you can see it, you can be it, right? So I put characters in there in this story, Charlie and Jackson, that are positive uh, role models for boys or anyone. That you know, you don't ha- so. You can, you know, boys can cry. You know, you. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important, but you can still be, you know, that archetype stereotype in this. Like, yeah, go for it. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just it's a balanced um, view. So I think it's really important for our sons as well to see, you know, role models that you don't have to be that sort of. Is it? How can I put it? That a modern boy can cry. Yes. Like give it permission because and, and yes. be strong. Yes, well, that's all, that's all of us, yeah. right? Is that it's it's a balance between being vulnerable and being strong and being brave. Sometimes, yeah, a modern day hero is vulnerable. Yes, yes, and I loved the message of animal conservation. Yeah. It made me think of um, an old clip that I saw years ago of you and your friend George Michael visiting an animal shelter, and how moved you were by all those little dogs and cats and so are you like an animal activist an animal lover I've just always loved animals I just think anyone listening I think you know when we come home and you know you've had a a hard day and you get the love from an animal it's just so honest like you've got a dog or or a cat they just they're just honest of what they want and what they give and you know I feel we just have a I don't know, you just have such a responsibility. This earth belongs to them as much as us. And so, you know, I I love animals. I really do. And so this does touch on that, you know, that 
the world you know we live in we're just here and you know I don't have the answers and again I don't want to preach um but I think we have a duty of care to take care of them too oh I, I, I love that I agree I think um, that's wonderful Jerry did you know that you wanted or were going to write books specifically more for kids like your first series was for kids I do think Rosie Frost as I'm reading it I'm like Anybody, you know, this, this anyone, book is that's for anyone. This book is for anyone. Yeah, but your first people. series was really more geared toward yeah, like a like preteen. A the first lot was six. Yeah, like little, lot. like littler kids. Yeah. Was that a thing that you always kind of had in the back of your head as something you might want to do someday, or was it just you had an idea? How did that come about? Okay, so uh, before the Spice Girls, I was studying theater and English literature. I've always, you know, I'm no Mariah Carey. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Who is? Who is? But Mariah Carey. Mariah yeah, Carey. She's Mariah. the one I and only. She's a formidable writer as well. You know, I would say that you know, I feel most confident in the writing of words and melodies. And I just love the power of words. So um, that I always enjoyed that. And, and it was funny because I was living in Los Angeles and I got this book called The Artist's Way. I, I love know. the artist way. Okay, yeah, and it gives you a series of uh, challenges to do, and it, I did the challenges, and then and from the back of that, I thought, yeah, I'm going to write. Uh, you sort of unwakes your, um, it wakens up your creativity. Yeah, and um, and so after that, I wrote my first book, a series. It was from that, and and also what I love about writing, you could do it anywhere. It's for sure. And here's the other thing that you will like is that in a world where sometimes we feel powerless, we feel powerless over others, what they say, what they do, what they think, right? In writing, here's the thing, it's the one time you get to decide what happens. You get to decide whether someone lives or dies, cries, stands up, blah, blah, blah. You, the whole thing, <laughs> you are in control. So for a control freak like me, it's brilliant. It's, it is brilliant. But how do you handle your editors? Oh my God, that, okay, I was just talking about this. Okay, this was quite an interesting, um, right? So when I handed my book in, right, I probably had about four different, you get um, the, the editors in a different color, right, yes, on the side. Right. And they, there's a term for it, I'm a bit jet-like. But anyway, so there's a term, and, and I had about four different editors on it for different reasons. One was obviously the the, the narrative, the pace, Another one was about uh, timelines and whether it was logical. But the other right. one was about, um, like, whether it was PC, whether you can say certain things or not. Right. Like, it's almost like a legal. Like a, I wrote a yeah. memoir. And okay. there were, uh, so you, I had, like, my legal editor, my editor, editor. Uh, yes. Okay. Okay. So, so that PC. is quite overwhelming. So a long answer to your short question, how do you make decisions? I just got, felt really, okay, if. If I was told this is offensive, this word, right? Yeah. To the society now, I thought, you know what, I'm going to respect that absolutely because it's of its time, the book. However, if I felt the character would say it and it was true to that character, I'd say, no, I'm going to stick by it. Okay. Oh, that's it, interesting. Yeah. yeah no, I that thought, also makes okay, sense. Yeah. If like, so Hemlock, he can be, he can be quite offensive and quite selfish. Yeah. And so sometimes you think, oh my God, I can't believe you're saying that. Well, that's what he would say. 
Does that make sense? Interesting. Of course. Yeah. 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 It makes sense. I always found it interesting because I've written books as well as working in entertainment. In entertainment, I always feel like you were told you have to do that. It honestly kind of blew my mind that when you write a book, they're like, here's our recommendation. Whether you do it or not, that's up to you. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've never had anyone say... Yeah, I think publishing is probably the nicest industry to work in. I've got the most amazing publisher in America. Her her name's Jill Santopolo, um, and she's a writer herself, so she was so encouraging. Um, Yeah, so she she would say it very, very softly. So I'm going to tell you what her book she wrote. It was called The Light We Lost. It it was number one uh, bestseller. And oh, nice. she, helped, she was giving me guidance all the way. And, that she, and she's, um, she was my editor. And oh, she, that's so fantastic. She used exactly really... the same terminology as you said, Casey. She said, can you, um, can you have a look at this? Can I recommend? It was just very <laughs> suggestive. But then I'll tell you what she did do. Um, she, encouraged, she told me to write a prologue. It was my first prologue I've ever written. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. so cool. Garden. That's good. It sounds like she really helped you stretch and grow as a yeah, writer, which did. is like the dream scenario for, yeah. she told for an me editor. To, to write the chapter one as well. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, uh, and then I did it and then I was pleased. Oh, uh, I love to hear that. I love to hear She's that. She's really nice. She's so nice. Oh, shout out to Jill. We love a good, a, a good editor. I've already Googled um, The Light We Lost and, <laughs> by Jill. Yeah, she, that's about um, Santa Polo. This romance that happens during nine eleven in New York. Oh, okay, yeah. all right. Man, that's but very intense. Rosie, she, you know, just sort of again hiding that sort of just like subliminal message. You know, it deals with grief. Yeah, yeah. It deals with bullying. It deals with you know finding the courage you never knew you had. Sort of just in there. Also sort of sounds like a lot of things that you, Jerry, lived through, like very publicly. They're they're all themes that I think we can all like identify with. And it doesn't matter whether you're eight or whether you're 38, you know, this environment, you can think, oh, how do I find my voice? How do I speak up to with that person? Do you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. And sometimes we just need a little bit of inspiration um, and Anne Boleyn, she gives four rules, and you'll find it in the book, right? But anyone can use these four rules. That uh, Queen Elizabeth I used those four rules and goes on to be the greatest monarch ever. Okay, so imagine if you knew you were going to die, which Anne Boleyn, she knows she's going to get executed. She gives four rules to her child. She leaves a child behind, right? Yeah. So these four rules, Rosie uses those four rules, but you could use those four rules. This present day, when's so, going to? I have you? Yeah. <laughs> gonna rule? I haven't gotten there yet. But yeah. when I this rule one is um, have courage, take the chance you fear the most. That's like I'm scared to leave my job, or I'm, yes. scared, I'm scared to write a book. I'm scared to um, finish this relationship. Okay. Yeah. Number two is united we stand, divided we fall. So if I need to stand up to someone or I I I want to do something in my own life, you know what? I have never done it by myself. I always find like encouragement from people that love me. 
That's really yeah. important. So 100%. we help each other over the wall, basically. So, yeah. you know, if I'm feeling a little bit wobbly. I'm going to ring you and I'm going to say, oh, what should I do about this? So, so that's, it's a simple rule. The third right. one is never give up. Okay, it says, be the light, serve your kingdom, you'll win your fight. So I think, so when I came here to America and I say, do you know what? I really want you to like my book, right? But then I remember, and and sometimes, you know, when I first approached the matter and sometimes at the beginning, because it took me seven years, some people didn't like it. And I thought, oh my God, what am I going to do? And I thought, I'm not going to give up because I'm going to serve all those people out there that want encouragement. This is for them. Anyone that feels marginalized or bullied, this is for them. So suddenly I feel a charge of energy. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah of course. You feel empowered America, by like you're, you're not going to You're not going to give up. Yeah. Yeah. America gave me that impetus. Don't give up. That's Rocky, right? <laughs> and the fourth rule, okay, and you've heard it through Shakespeare, it says, to thine own self be true. Do you know, Jerry, that's my favorite, it's my favorite quote. There you go. And, it, and what it means is, if you don't like these rules, make up your own. Right. <laughs> so that's that's amazing. Well, so we're having, we're having a real time here. You're going to tour the book in the, in the UK and the United States, right? Yes, I'm coming. Do you know what? It feels so exciting. I'm going to get to come all over America and meet different people. I'm coming to Illinois. Great. Oh Gosh. Yeah. I'm coming that... to Ohio. Sure. I'm coming to um, New Jersey, um, San Francisco. I mean, there is something I have to say. I had a, my book tour was sort of shortened because I was doing that late night talk show that Casey had mentioned earlier. So I didn't have too much I mean, so I just didn't have too much time, but I do feel like there's something really, really special about going on book tour and meeting fans of the book, fans of Rosie, like your fans. Um, I bet it's going to be super special and really a lot of fun. Yeah, I tell you what it is. You may identify with this, both of you or anyone that's written a book. Okay. And bravo to anybody that has written or has even tried right? Yes, I agree. The only thing I can identify with it, with that anybody that hasn't, it's like having a baby. (laughs) Yeah. It is like, or you've spent all this time, you know, wanting it, cooking it up, growing it, and then suddenly it's going to come out into the world and you know it's coming and it's like, oh my God. So there is this mixture feeling of excitement and trepidation. You're like, oh my God. And then when people identify with it and connect with it, yes. it's the most beautiful feeling. Yes. Yeah, 100%. it really is. And we're just having such a time in the United States. Busy and I were just talking to someone yesterday. They're banning so many books for young people in so many states just based on like, I don't even know why. So we were talking to someone that's running like a banned bookmobile. So I'm just, I'm so happy that new books are coming out faster, hopefully, than people can ban them. You know, I got told this and I thought, mm-hmm. okay, there's two things that made me think. When something is banned, doesn't it make you want it more? Yes. <laughs> well, yes. That's, <laughs> I mean, especially for kids, especially teenagers. Like, Yeah. It's a bit like me. If I say to you, 
don't eat cake. Don't think about <laughs> pink sponge cake. What c- goes into your mind? I mean, right. I'm going to eat some Makes sponge cake. That's the first thing. The second <laughs> thing, there is a, a book out that I read many, many years ago called Fahrenheit 451, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all the books were burnt because they wanted to control. And then what they had was people um, learning, memorizing the books. Before yeah. So it's a very interesting time. It's I- an interesting time. The country is like very, you know, look, it's it it's happening also in Europe. It's happening in the United States. There's, you know, more and more of a disparity between um, the wealthy and those who are working very hard and don't have as much and aren't able to provide as much. And especially in the U.S. when we don't have socialized health care and people can go bankrupt by just an illness, you know, in their family. Um, There's a lot of uh, politicians who are using it as and weaponizing that and saying like, oh, well, it's the fault of these things, right? And so books Books. are being (laughs) taken away from kids because of the ideas in them. I mean, it is so, but it's, you know, it's, um, it's a, it's a way to control people. It's, they're just trying to, the politicians are just trying to control people The that are the politicians that are implementing these, these book bans and these sort of draconian laws, taking away the rights of women and trans youth and all of these things. So we, our job is to fight back, be brave, have courage, stand united, never give up and um, be true to ourselves, which is... And be celebratory, which is why I'm so glad you're coming here to, like, you know, show your book around. And celebrate the good stuff. Do you know what? I feel like Britain and America, we're cousins. We're first cousins that love each other, that have pulled each other over the wall. So as I come to your amazing country, you know, all I can say reflect and remind everyone that you gave to me. You, you, You gave me formidable strength. Like through all your different like mediums, whether it was movies, books, music, it was you lot that gave it to me. So all I'm doing is reflecting back. Okay, you're amazing. You can do it. That's America. Right? I love I that. I love that. I'll give you the British humor and the history and the quirkiness. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, Wait, speaking of British humor, I have to ask you about something. You recently reunited with an old friend, and I remember your first meeting with uh, young Prince Charles. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Where you kissed him on the cheek and sort of smacked him on the bum. Yes. Which he did not seem to mind at all in my memory. (laughs) And you said, like, I think you're kind of sexy, right? You told him. I said, you know what? Look, my mother is Spanish. Okay. Yeah. So I, you know, I have those different cultures embedded in me. Yes. When you walk through the door and see my mother, the first thing she's going to do is like any Latin, you know, person can relate to this. She, she's so super affectionate and, you know, tactile. I am too. You know, <laughs> I'm like, hi. I'm overly like, hi, and want to, you know, that's who I'm- I am. So it's my mother you know, pats any bottom and, you know, she pats you on the bottom and says, hello. You know, that's, oh God, that's amazing. That's who I am. And I've always had the philosophy of like, I don't, you know, whether you're the postman or the president, I'm going to treat you the same, the same yeah. love and affection, because I think fundamentally, aren't we all? 
It really doesn't matter yeah. the, the armor or the suit you put on. Well, I just thought for him, it must have been so fun because people are always, you know, people have obviously always treated him like a prince. But now he's the king and you recently reunited with him this year, right? Yes. I work for um, the the Royal Commonwealth, which really, you know, supports literacy and also the Prince's Trust. Yes. It, it really empowers anybody that's for, might be just on the edge of you know society where they're just falling off just a little they just need a little bit of support and encouragement yeah. you know with whether it's following your dream whether you just suddenly want a career path and you might not have the support and it's amazing what the prince's trust does really good and the commonwealth it does this big literacy campaign it's fantastic what they do and i think if you can read like we learn to read and then we read to learn. I think no matter who you are, this is what I love about reading. I didn't have a lot of money when I was growing up. My family didn't. And, you know, if you read a book, you suddenly can find power and go to different places through the book. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah of course. So much confidence. It gave me so much confidence, uh, you know, through the love of reading. Yeah. Um, and I think it's also, as we were talking about last week and with these book bands, one of the most amazing things that books can do is introduce you to different cultures and yeah, ideas and different kinds of people that you might not get a chance to meet in your small town. Yeah, um, but you get to through the power of these wonderful, wonderful books. Yeah. So Jerry, we, we like to ask people about pivots on our podcast. And what does that mean? It means like, like, um, a time in your life where you thought one thing was going to work out Mm -hmm. and that thing for whatever, for whatever reason didn't like, sometimes people have talked about, like, I really thought I was going to be a mother young. And then I ended up not being a mom. We had Senator Elizabeth Warren. I don't know if you know her, but she's a great American Senator. And she talked, she's a Falcon queen. She's Elizabeth Warren. And she talked about her divorce and how that affected her teaching career when she was a young woman in the United States. It was very frowned upon to get divorced. And so she talked about how that changed her life and how she had to do it anyway. We've had actors talk about parts that they thought they were getting or that they did get and then got fired from and thought it was going to ruin their career. But then something else happened and that was the thing that needed to happen. You know what I mean? So So I'm curious about your pivots because you've certainly taken many different roads in your career and some that we're well aware of yeah that we're all aware of but is there any particular thing that you're that you can think of that was like okay so for me a a pivot is having to respond to something when it hasn't gone your way and what I've learned is that sometimes rejection is God's protection you know sometimes I want something so much and you know and the disappointment is there and it's hard when it's happening um and I've just, I've had as m- much failures as I have successes. And those failures have been really um, uh, incredible, incredible lessons. And, um, and I would, where would I say that though? I can't let think that I'm going to try and think of something that was. I mean, you in the Spice Girls, you were on top of the world and you walked away from it at the height of everything for your own mental health. That was at a time when women especially just didn't do things like that, no. I felt like. So and no one I was talking was... about mental health. Yeah. <laughs> I think we just have to respond to what is. You know, I you know, I had a baby when I was, you know, later in life. Yeah. 
and yeah. you know and this baby came naturally which was such a what was such a gift i you know i'm, I'm incredibly grateful but what i what i learned was this when in, anyone that's 30 right i think there's so much pressure for a 30 year old to get the job get the partner you know get the perfect you know you know life particularly in 30 i remember feeling like that and things weren't happening for me then um as i was just like in no man's land you're not you're not the ingenue you can't you know lean on that teenage bravado right right Mm -hmm. you've fallen down a few times and it hurts and you know what i've learned is that time with time just you know taking one step at a time things can happen and materialize you just keep on pushing through yeah um and you can have an old dream and you don't have to give up on that dream right um for example um a massive pivot for me was when i first started rosie rosie frost and this was like 9 years ago now wow but in the early drafts, it, she was rejected. And I thought to myself, okay, I really believe in her and the characters and what she stands for. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to um, look at that and why is she being rejected? Because I believe in her. But what I did, again, was I went to rule two. United we stand, divided we fall. And I went and asked for help. I asked this guy called William Boyd. And he's like an, it was was like showing Humpty Dumpty to Beethoven, right? (laughs) I didn't really like it. I mean, he wrote this book called Any Human Heart, which is probably one of the greatest novels of its era. And he was so kind and generous to me. He said to me, Jerry, start again but write the whole, the same story, but in the third person and in the past tense, because I'd written in the first person and the present tense, which is, I didn't realize it's the hardest thing. I'd never written a novel before and it was like a baptism of fire. It was so difficult. And for me, that was pivoting. That was not giving up and that was responding to there was a problem, but I still believed that there was a solution and he gave it to me. Well, you found it. Yeah, rather than throwing it, you know, in the bin... Right. And so already, you know, so it's the publisher that took it has said that this is their number one uh, best-selling pre-order they've ever had this year. Amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. But that just showed me that. But again, it was going, why am I doing this? And I have asked myself, why am I doing this? But yes, I love writing. Yes, commercially, we all want success. But also, I I think about that person, whether she's being bullied in her office or at school, whoever it is, they're going to find their power. Does that make sense? And it gives you that impetus to drive forward. That's a pivot. Yeah. Yeah. It for is. real, for real. Oh, Jerry, you're such a delight. Thank you for taking you so, so much time with to, us. Wait, I have to ask one more okay. thing. Uh, you and the Spice Girls have a group chat, right? <laughs> yes. Will you just tell all the Spice Girls that we said hi on the group uh, chat? 100%. <laughs> of course. That's so nice. And do you know what? You just said something very interesting. You know, you said Spice Girls. I think the Spice Girls, they, they're all around. We all are. It belongs to everyone. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I know I'm a Spice Girl, Jerry. There you go. <laughs> Very yeah. clearly, I know I'm a Spice Girl. Yeah. 
fine. <laughs> so big kiss. And I just want to say, you know, I can't wait to meet everybody when, as I travel across America. And thank you very much for your time. You guys come oh my out, gosh, bring, bring, you your, so- bring your kids for Rosie Frost because it's such a great book. Cricket and I just started it last night together, but we got through... Two and a half chapters before it was too late. Uh, and, okay. Your page going. That's good. That's yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. And um, well, we do a thing where like I read a page. I re- well, she reads me a page and then I read her two pages. I Feels love fair. it. That's so nice. Yeah. So we read to each other. Um, but everybody come out, get Rosie Frost and the Falcon Queen. The the book is so good and the message is incredible and it's really for everybody. And then look for Jerry on, on her big book tour across the U.S. Yeah. Oh, it's so lovely to speak to you both. Much so love. nice to meet you. So nice Thank to talk you. to you. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> we did it. Bye, girls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's so lovely. Oh, my goodness. <sighs> All my right. favorite Spice Girl. <laughs> Everyone's favorite, I feel like. Thrive Cosmetics. Thrive Cosmetics. <laughs> you guys. You guys. <gasps> I, I've been tagged in some people trying the, um, you know, tubing mascara that I talk about all the time. Yeah, The Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. It's so And good. people tag me in it because um, everybody universally loves it. And then... They're like, I can't believe it. And it's just like Busy said. <laughs> it's the best. This isn't something Thrive advertises, but everything that I have that is Thrive Cosmetics does double duty for me. I use the liquid lash extensions on my eyelashes, but I also use it to, as like eyebrow gel when I'm traveling. The Brilliant Eye Brightener makes your eye makeup look so good. I put it on the inner corner of my eye, but I also use it for a highlight when I'm traveling. Okay, so the Brilliant Eye Brightener, when I was traveling yesterday and then I came back, Yeah, um, I always have it with me when I'm on airplanes because I do feel like as soon as I'm like landing and I look in the mirror and I'm like, oops, that's, I don't look the cutest in this moment. <laughs> and I use, I use it, yeah, like inside my eye sort of like around my eye and then at my brow bone and then a little on my cheeks. Yeah. And I like get off that plane and I look like, I look You look like you had a lie flat seat the whole- I look like I had a lie lie flat seat seat, even when I was sitting upright. (laughs) (laughs) Much to my chagrin. And now they have the new impactful, which I love, semi-permanent smoothing lipstick. What? So good. Visibly fuller, smoother, nourished lips with a creamy satin finish. I'm like just obsessed. Obsessed with Thrive Cosmetics. I love them. I feel like my eyelashes are in better shape actually wearing that mascara every day. I swear to God. Same. Same. Yeah. Same. Listen, also, you know, the name is sort of derived from the fact that They have a commitment to giving back for every product purchased. Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I love so much because at this point, what are we doing if not helping others to thrive as well? 
I'm just Yeah, I mean, you're going to buy these things for yourself, so you might as well do some good while you're at it. I love that they're commi- they're, they have a commitment to giving back. Um, and honestly, I'm just going to be real with you. That tubing mascara, <laughs> it's maybe, it's like literally maybe my favorite mascara of all time. Mm. That's it. You said I, it. I said it. I said you it. said it. I said it. It's real. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash best. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash best for 20% off your first order. Guys, go get some stuff from Thrive. Gina was just barking. Maybe it's because she wants a little bit of Sundays. She, she's <laughs> like, I want a little Sundays snack. I want a little, I want my Sundays air dried dog food. I that mean, I if love. I literally touch the box of Sundays in my kitchen, my dogs know the sound of my hand on the box and they come running for it. I mean, same with Gina. She's obsessed. <laughs> she loves it. I think she thinks it's, um, I actually think she thinks it's treats. Yes. I mean, to be fair, she has a dog. So it's, you know, it's not that she's stupid, but she doesn't know everything. (laughs) Gina. (laughs) I give it to them for treats and they do tricks for it. They're turning around, they're rolling over, they're shaking paws. But then when I give them a full bowl of it for a meal, they think they won the dog lottery. It's amazing. That's exactly right. Gina also acts as though... The dog lottery has been hers, and she has taken it. <laughs> the jackpot of son of a bowl of Sundays. Um, Sundays contains ninety percent meat, ten percent vegetables, zero synthetic nutrients. It's air dried dog food made from a very short list of human grade ingredients. Besides USDA beef and all natural chicken, there's digestive aids like pumpkin and ginger. If your dog has a sensitive tummy, like mine does. It's very helpful, plus disease-fighting antioxidants. And unlike other fresh dog food, it's zero prep, zero mess, no stress. It's shelf-stable, which makes it easy to feed your dog top-quality food without having to, like, worry about, like, oh, no, did I defrost it? You know what I mean? (laughs) Plus, it costs 40% less than other healthy dog food brands. Because they don't waste money on shipping frozen packages. They spend their money on what matters the most, sourcing the best all-natural ingredients for your pup. It's truly a game changer, you guys. I think your dog is going to love it as much as our dogs do. And we worked out a special deal for all of our dog-loving listeners. Get 35% off your first order of Sundays. Go to sundaysfordogs.com slash busy or use code busy at the checkout. That's S-U-N-D-A-Y-S-F-O-R-D-O-G-S dot com forward slash busy. Upgrade your pup to Sundays and feel good about the food that you feed your dog. What delightful ladies. Oh my God. Both both very prominent redheads at one point. I love that. Yes. I was a redhead at one point, probably during that time. But Dude, because obviously I was inspired. too. Yeah. I was a redhead 
after uh, my heart was broken, when I met Mark, I had a re- I had red hair, br- oh like dark red hair. Actually, there's a picture from Kate's wedding that I, you know, of all you know, going through all the photos and whatever that all the pictures from Kate's wedding, I have this like dark red auburn hair. It doesn't even look like it's weird. It like does not even look like me. Yeah, I I it's think funny. I've seen pictures. Yeah. I had very dark auburn hair too. And David Letterman used to always say, You look like Brenda Starr, who I guess is a comic strip comic book character. <laughs> I didn't have the internet, so I was just like, Okay, I hope Brenda Starr is cute. Yeah, I think she's like uh Yeah. I mean, who fucking knows? I, th- it sounds familiar. Is what I'm saying. Brenda Starr was a reporter, a, a comic book reporter with, with very wavy red hair. So was I get she, it. I get was that. Was she in like Superman or something? What was she in? Or just Brenda Starr? I don't, I don't know. know. I think she was like on her own. Yeah, she was like yeah. a, a woman reporter. Her hair was orange to be clear, but I guess, you know. Whatever, she David was, Letterman. She was known as a famous cartoon redhead, and I, I'm now I know he meant it as a compliment. I think sure that I that I looked like a human cartoon with with red hair. Yeah. Um, well, um, book week was a success. I feel I good so. about it. Yeah, I feel really good about it. Um, Kicking I, off October, right? Yes. What, by the way, Grimoire Girl is perfect to like come out in October. Yeah. It's such a good thing. I really thing. do like, love it. Yeah. I think I think it's so great. Like, such a good and such great sort of, like, little hints and yeah. helpful things. And Maybe we should ideas. do a little book club on the Substack. Substack was like, about that. it. That'd be so fun. Yeah. We could also, like, do, like, a, like, share your grimoires. You know what I mean? Yes. That would be so fun. Um, many years ago for Christmas, Chrissy B. Chrissy did hi, Chrissy. just like, hi, Chrissy, did just like the most beautiful, thoughtful gift. She's She was always like the queen of gifts that she would make for people because for one, it saves money. Yeah. And for two, uh, she's just a thoughtful person who like would think of really creative, good things to and a lot of times it was like a group gift. Yeah. And she made our little group of girlfriends a recipe book of like... Love. Yeah. Of like our collected recipes. And Aww. I know, like that kind of stuff, you know, when Hillary talks in her book about like having things to pass down to your kids. Yeah. That stuff is so important. Like I was even just thinking about my grandma's waffle recipe, which I don't fucking have written down anywhere. And when I need to do it, I Google it. Right. And it's like, because, I, because I've like put it online. <laughs> right. So like right. I Google it to find my own grandma's like waffle recipe. Same. But I should, I, she really did inspire me. Like I'm going to go buy like a beautiful, big, like leather bound book and put it. some stuff in it for my kids, you know? Back to David Letterman times, his mom was a personality, like she was a correspondent for the Olympics, the 1994 Olympics, when uh, the show was very young, the late show. And 
she was massively popular, his mom, Dorothy Mingering. And so she got a book deal to do like a recipe book. And she wanted to do like a family recipes book with the staff of the show. And so she called me and was like, Casey, do you have a family recipe that you would want to share? And I was like, you know, Dorothy, I'm kind of embarrassed that I don't really think that my family has like recipes. Like the the only thing that I'm thinking of is this um this like a jello dish that my Grammy makes for like church suppers or whatever, like a jello dessert. And she Dorothy was so kind. She was like, you know what? This is like your family's tradition and it means something to you. And it doesn't matter that it's made with like ingredients that come in boxes from the store shelves. And she was like, and if you love it, if you love when your Grammy makes this, then that means to me, if we put it in the book, that other people will will love when this recipe is in the book. I mean, of course, my Grammy probably got it on the back of a Jello box. It's this thing called like broken glass tort or cracked glass, my Grammy called it, which is like, it sounds so gross, you guys, but it's like, I think it's like pineapple and Jello and Cool Whip and like a graham cracker crust. Graham cracker. Does it sound gross? What are you What are you talking about? This is the I mean, Crab Rangoon audience we're talking to. You know what I mean? <laughs> that By is the way, so I like, I, when I was on the plane, at some point I was like looking through, I was looking for something in particular and I paused at one of my own Instagram posts and, yeah. and I noticed com- you commenting back at someone about Crab Rangoon and it made me laugh <laughs> so fucking hard where you're like, well then, I mean, I guess you really don't have to eat it, do you? <laughs> Must be must take a lot of energy for you to hate on something delicious that other people love. And I was just like, because it was weeks ago, and I obviously had not seen it, had no idea that you were like up in the comments of my post about Crabber and Coon fighting with some motherfucker who's like taking it upon themselves to be like, ew, what are you even talking about? Crabber and Goon's disgusting. And you're like, well, I guess you got to see your way out of this fucking conversation, <laughs> bitch. Like, it was... Unsubscribe from the chat. <laughs> Unsubscribe, bitch. You're not... Crab Rangoon, not for you. You it's, don't get the I deliciousness. Mean, here's the thing is, like, nothing has to be for everyone, but I do sort of, like... I don't get defensive, but I am always puzzled when people do say, like, I don't get it. And it's like... Okay, then obviously nothing I could say would make you right. like it. But like, I hope you also, know that you're allowed not, not to you. like it. More for yeah. me, not for you. Like, but it's, it is interesting. And then I try to think of like, well, do I sometimes like say that I hate something that people love? I'm sure I have in the past, but I, as I have grown and matured, I think I try not to yuck people's yums, mostly right. because it's just like an unproductive conversation. Like, what are you supposed to say to that? You know? Toothpaste. Uh, who needs it? Like, what am I supposed to say about that? I don't know. You know? I don't know. There's sort of like no comeback, right? Like it's like yeah. like, oh, okay, absolutely. You absolutely have changed my mind. Obviously not. I'm in love with Crab Rangoon. It's yeah. like my second. Oh husband. my god, I was wrong. <laughs> like, what? Dude, we're not no. <gasps> also, it's just like not up for debate. Whatever. Just not up for debate. Things that it's we not- like aren't up for debate. What you like isn't up for debate unless what you like is taking the rights away from other people or banning books. Yeah. If it's if not that's hurting what you're anyone into, else, then we need to have a conversation. Right. Y- yeah. You're liking something that's morally wrong. That means you're a villain. 
you know, but like Crab yeah. Rangoon. Can I just say though, Casey, it feels like there is an overwhelming amount of villains currently existing. Yeah. Do you want to fucking... hear my theory on that? Sh- Obviously. Since we're talking yes. about ghosts and... Yeah. Okay. So a little bit I ascribe to, and without like saying, you know, whatever religions I've read about or whatever, this is just my own thing. I do believe in reincarnation and I recently joined a reincarnation like group on Facebook. The um, posts are alternately entertaining and Mm -hmm. unhinged. Mm -hmm. uh, Some of the things Mm -hmm. that people believe are reincarnation, but hey. But if we believe that souls are reincarnated, and the, the idea with reincarnation for some people who believe in it is that like your soul comes back to learn lessons until mm. they've learned everything and basically are like as enlightened as a human can be. And then like your soul gets put out to pasture or whatever and doesn't have to come back and learn lessons. Well, you get to be know? part of a light team. Yeah, you get to be part of a light team. When Hillary team or- was talking about haunting, I was a little bit like, okay, or you get to be like light team. Exactly, you know. exactly. So anyway, I don't want to haunt. But, I want a light team. <laughs> exactly. I think that's that's a great goal. But with respect to how many villains we have now, mm-hmm. I think that the population of the world has increased so much since mm-hmm. we've been recording history. Mm-hmm. That I thought you were going to a- say since we've been recording this podcast, which <laughs> would have made me, honestly would have made me lol. Like that's also true. That's also true. <laughs> the population of Earth has increased so much that there's not enough reincarnated learned uh-huh. souls to go around. Sure. So we yeah. have a lot of villains because people sure. are on their first soul go around and they're like, "Oh, I'm a fucking asshole." That's how like, are they getting so much power? Cuz there's just so many of them? The sheer number of them? I think because there's like sheer numbers of them. Uh uh And I also think that like, you know, to extrapolate, like we always say, oh, like girls love a bad boy. You know what I mean? Uh And I think there is something compelling about watching someone who is like, you know, a straight shooter, a straight talker who really says what's on their mind. But there's a very thin line between someone being incredibly honest and being cruel. There's a thin Mm. line between someone saying what they really think and revealing that what they really think is some fucked up shit, you Mm -hmm. know? And so I think that people have been talking a lot about how, like, population is on a decline for various reasons, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, pestilence, (laughs) things like that. But also because, like, younger people are having smaller families because of, yeah, because of the future of our planet and also because they can't afford it. Like, they'll never Mm -hmm. be able to afford a house or a family the way that we have been able to. And so people are like, this is disastrous for the world, which I'm like, will that happen in our lifetime? I don't know. I'm not a scientician. But, um... But I am like one pot. If what I believe, what I think I made up in my head that probably mm-hmm. other religions may agree with or whatever, um, that there's not enough souls to go around. I mean, like, at least if the population declines a little bit, maybe some souls will like get into some, like, maybe the majority of 
souls will be people that have like learned some important lessons in in prior go rounds. Does that mm. make sense? Oh, it makes sense. Oh, it <laughs> makes sound, sense. I sound like I'm high on more things than I'm actually high on. No, it makes sense. It's it's hard. It's like this ascribing meaning to like what feels sometimes so fucking meaningless is so complicated, you know? And like yeah. I have a hard time. I have I've been having, been. She's been having a hard time figuring out how we keep showing up for the things that we believe in when it feels like it's only getting darker and sort of worse for so yeah. many people. Yeah. And you know, like it's been, I've had like a really, like it's been really hard for me recently. Like what's going on in this country and like hearing about even just those fucking TikToks from teachers about how kids are like three and four years behind where they should be, that our educational system is so fucking broken that those with money and privilege like myself and my kids are able to not only keep up with where they should be, but now they're so far ahead of kids whose parents have to work three jobs. Or I'm sorry, the kids have to work all night at a grocery store stocking shelves and then go sleep in the nurse's office and then go to school, Yeah, you know? I mean, this is, Biz, my mom was a high school biology teacher and I think... I want to say she was teaching like 10th or 11th grade and a kid passed out in her class. This is in the 1980s. A kid passed out in her class. I'm not saying fell asleep. I'm saying fainted. And she obviously like helped him up or whatever. And she said, what's going on? And he was talking about how in his night shift at the grocery store, he had cut off the tip of his finger the night before and had his hand all bandaged up. And he was like, in shock still, and just came to school, you know, wrapped his hand up, got a couple hours of shut-eye, and, like, came to school the next morning, and that was, like, the life that he was living. I mean, fuck, like, I worked all through high school, not in a dangerous job, like, operating a meat slicer, but, you know, I worked full-time when I was in in college, and it hasn't gotten... It hasn't gotten any better, and that's a thing that back then I could have envisioned. Like, oh, of course, we didn't know shit in the 80s. Like, of course, we were letting kids operate nighttime meat slicers, of course. But you'd think it would be better by now, and it's really not. Like, L.A. is such a wild thing. Like, Lincoln going to public school in L.A. was such a wild thing. I remember dropping him off for a school dance and, like, having I had to get through Oscars traffic to get to drop him off at his little school dance. And it was so wild because I was like, these fucking kids, like the Oscars is happening like 10 minutes away. And these kids are going to this dance and it's like the biggest deal in the world to all of them. And like the worlds, the two worlds are just so different. And they're literally 10 minutes away from each other. You know? Yes. And I feel like, all of these things are like 
being the book bands and like to a certain extent, I don't know. Like I just feel like so much of the rhetoric and like, I can't even fucking keep, keep up anymore. I'm like, Oh, that the government shut down. Oh, it didn't shut down. Who fucking cares? Who right. fucking cares? Right. Nothing's happening. No one's doing a goddamn thing about anything that matters. Who fucking cares? Like, it's like, I got to the point, and I'm sorry with my fucking, with this, you guys, I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. I'm fucking sorry. I'm sorry I'm going to say this out loud. I literally am like, does it matter? Does it fucking matter? Does it matter at all? Any of this shit? Because nothing changes. Nothing's getting fixed. People are still so desperate. We have this ongoing fucking dialogue about like, Honestly, whether or not we want to be decent humans. Like, do we want to help other people or not? Oh, no, let's not let them into the country. Fucking kidding me? Right. Like, it's bonkers. I'm losing the the plot. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm losing the plot. Yeah. Which is understandable. I know. I know. I know it's understandable. But it's also like... And I know it's the point, and I know, but this feels unprecedented. This time feels unprecedented. Like, it feels like um, like an acceleration of a thing that, like, at a certain point, we could have, this is a, it's a fucking trolley problem, and at a certain point, there was time to pull the lever, and now there's not time, and it, and it doesn't matter because either way, everyone loses. Like, that's truly where I'm at because and again and again and again I'm like to what end what is the point of Ron DeSantis what is his fucking end game what is his end game well I mean mean, obviously you know he's he's trying to amass power like all of these guys and he's he's whiffing on it he's not doing he's not doing it you know, oh, he's, he's not doing he's it. He's not going to become president, I don't think. No, honey. And, no, you're not. You know, you should just, so you need to I, pack it in. I don't have the answer to what end other than, other than what I just said about, like, you know, maybe there's so many villains because people are trying out new, new souls in this very, <laughs> very crowded <laughs> earth. But what I will say is, like, I know who cares, I know who cares, and I know that you care, even though you're frustrated and tired. I know you do. I know you can't help it. Even if you want, even on the days when you want to wash your hands of everything and be like, fuck it, you know, I know that you care. And, you know, it goes back to that thing, that quote that you shared with me like, you're not obligated to complete the work, but. You're, nor are you free to abandon it. Nor are you free to abandon it. And what I will say is that, like, all this government, everything, government, religion, money, all of this shit, society, it's all a construct. We made it all. We, people made it all, you know? And so it's like, it does feel unprecedented. I can only imagine that our ancestors, our grandparents and great-grandparents and great 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 grandparents that they felt like world war 1 felt unprecedented to them i'm sure world sure. war 2 probably felt like probably felt apocalyptic to them i think whenever i get 
bummed out in the way that you feel bummed out, I do take a look back at like people who were just like, yeah, maybe this is a fucking lost cause. Am I going to sneak Jewish kids to safety? I'm going to do it anyway. You know, um, am I going to try to raise money or collect supplies for people who need it during the Depression? Yeah. Am I going to, you know, perform free medical care or what? whatever the fuck people did during those times anyway when it probably seemed like all hope was lost because, yeah. like, you know, it's like that, it's like that corny, like, you'll see it on the cover of a checkbook or, like, a free calendar that you get, like, where, you know, someone was walking along the beach and there were millions of starfish I was on literally, the beach. Literally, 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 <laughs> literally about to say... And I know about the fucking starfish. Right. And that it matters to this one. And it matters right. to this one. Right. And it matters to this one. And I get it. But that's and literally like, all you can do is I like. I know. But it's just fucking hard. I know it is. And it's hard for the people that are waiting for someone to just. To notice them. And to throw notice them a bone. Throw them a bone and bear witness. Even just fucking listen to what they're going through. Even just listen to what their experience has been. That It's so rare. It's so rare that we do that. But you do do that. And it does make a difference. And I'm not telling you to sit around and pat yourself on the back for it all day. Obviously, you never would. But I am saying that, like, what you do, you do what you can, and what you can do does make a difference. So just, you can't forget it. You can't you can't forget that when you're having a low moment. Like, you do what you can do, and it does make a difference. It does make a difference. Okay. And government is made up. But so much stuff is just fucking made up. That's like the thing that's crazy. It's like so much of this is just like of our own insane brains. Like we right. like <laughs> like this is just all fucking made up. Yeah. I mean our industry tomorrow. is all made up. That's it's, total, it, totally. Know, and it's fucked up because we let Fucked up people make up the rules and people are working to make up new rules and to remake it mm-hmm. in a better way. But it's hard because there's a power struggle because people don't want to let go of power and people don't want progress to be made. Because why? It, if progress is made, then certain people lose some of the power that they once had. So it's a fucking fight. I'm not going to lie. Did I tell you about that lady that came up to me after the Forbes panel? Because she was like... She was like, I take issue with something you were saying on the panel. Did I tell you that? No, you didn't tell me about this. I did this like weird Forbes panel. Sorry, Forbes, but it was weird. Um, And I mean, it just was. It felt, it was a little bit like, (laughs) Um, anyway, on the thing, we were talking about whatever. And I just said that I feel like this moment in time in our country culturally, whatever, that it's very easy. It's it's easier. Yeah. It's easier to navigate raising a young woman who is empowered and loud 
and a fucking making making good trouble and standing up for herself and all of the things than it is for my friends who are raising boys right now. Right. Because I think that the messaging for boys is really complicated and confusing. Yeah. And it always has been for girls, by the way. Yeah. This yes. is like, my point is that it has always been confusing for girls. Right. And our generation, this generation of mothers, of mothers are able to look at their young, young girls and be like, I know what, I know what I would, I wish I would have known. I yeah. know what I wish I would have been able to, someone would have said to me. I wish, I, I know exactly the message and how it would have empowered a part of myself that I didn't know needed to be empowered until it was too fucking late. I know how to do this. I fucking yeah. know how to do this. We had experience. Look, it's the experience of it. It's the lived experience. And the truth of the matter is, no, I'm sorry, but I'm not, I mean, your case is different because as we all know, Matt is the fucking best man that's ever existed <laughs> and Casey's an amazing mother, but they like very thoughtfully raised two boys. But also, can I be honest, a little bit before the time that I'm talking about, which is like right fucking now. Yeah. Pre, you really were raised, you really, I mean, Eli was definitely like pre-Trump. Yeah. And both boys sort of came of age in the like Obama era of- Listen, when when Trump was elected, both of those boys were aware enough to need to take the day off of school because of how exactly. upset they were. That's right. Because That's they correct. had worked on Hillary Clinton's campaign. So, That's you know, correct. so they were before all of this. And I do want to say something about Matt, which I think he would say about himself. Having as progressive parents as he had that raised him to be the great guy that he is, he did. He still came into this with some fucked up ideas and into this, I mean, mm -hmm. the relationship with a woman. He still came in with into some this, fucked I mean, up— we mean life. And into this life with some fucked mm -hmm. up ideas about what masculinity is mm -hmm. and what it means to be a man in America. And, you know, just things that we— had to, and I'm not saying that I didn't have fucked up ideas too. Obviously, I did. And we both had things that we needed to work through. And like, guys, there were some close calls. I was just talking about this to someone on a cameo who was like asking for marriage advice. There were some close calls with us. Like, we, there were times when I was like, maybe we should call it, you know, maybe mm -hmm. it's just, maybe it just doesn't work out at all. Maybe it can't work out, you know, right. but we decided to like double down. But I'm going to be honest, like, once we decided that, I was kind of like, these are things that need to change, like, tomorrow. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. it's been so long in coming for us to get to this point that I now that I see it, I can't go through another day of, like, seeing it. And I can't go through, you know— Especially after, like, how I grew up, I couldn't go through someone saying, like, I'm working on it. I'm trying to get—I needed, like, a fairly instant result, you know, which might not be the best thing, but it worked for us. But, you know, I hear you. I think that boys always had terrible messaging. Girls always had terrible messaging. But because of the terrible messaging that then led our generation of women— to mostly be the primary caretakers of our children, we knew what to say to girls. 
Yes. You know what I mean? Well, because of by the our way, own... our mothers didn't. I'm just going right. to say. Right, right. But now we, yes, but we've taken on the thing where we're like, we know how to, I know how to do this. Exactly. Whereas I think we're just starting to scratch the surface with boys and it's really difficult to know what to say because the, the messaging is still really confusing and toxic. And like, there's really some, some heroes of toxicity that like boys are, you know, Boys are watching online and... Did you see that TikTok of the one... Um, is he a Discord streamer who's like who's like a an offshoot-ish, ish, off, offshoot-ish? We, did we talk about this? I don't think we did, What was no. his name? Like Scratch? Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Who knows? Skitch. <laughs> Scritch. Scritch. Scritchy Scritch. <laughs> and he's at a baseball game and these little boys, they're like nine, 10 years old, come up yeah. to him and they're like, oh man, man. And his he's filming, like, or his right. friend is filming him because like right. these motherfuckers are always filming themselves. Right. Says the woman who made herself a new career on Instagram. But um, <laughs> anyway, and the boys are like, take pictures with him. And he's like, oh yeah, my little bros. And they're like, yeah, fuck bitches, right? Right? And he's like, wait, what? You, you haven't seen this? No. It's fucking amazing. And he's like, wait, wait, what? And he's like, yeah, fuck those bitches, right, man? Yeah, we fucked those bitches. And he's like, no, 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 man. We respect women. We respect all people. He's like, yeah, but fuck bitches. And then for like one and a half seconds, you see his face and it's like, the entire world like becomes real. Right. Has it changed anything? Probably not. I don't fucking know. But I'm just saying, this is like from like two weeks ago, Birdie sent it to me. Right. It's like really fascinating. Wow. Because he's being confronted in real time with children who are saying, fuck those bitches, right, man? With what he's putting out there. Because that's what he says on his right. thing. And I'm sure, sure he that's thought his vibe. Like, I'm a I'm doing a character or like people know that I don't do this, that I'm not saying this seriously. But like, yeah, you don't know. You don't. And when you're massively popular like that, you don't know who's watching and what they're getting from it. The, here's the scary thing. I'm sure he has, a, that person has adult fans that are like, fuck those bitches and think everything's like 100% serious or what, I, I don't know. I'm not familiar. I'm just saying, you know, Spider-Man, his, it, it, Spider-Man's right. With great power comes great responsibility and people, you know, are not taking responsibility for what they're doing with their power. That is clear. No, they're not taking responsibility at all. Yeah. And like, but then again, also it's like, (sighs) I haven't done, I haven't done a ton of, I mean, listen, I have done good. I have, I have parenting wise, there've been some, there's highs and lows. There have been hits. There have been misses. There have been both. Okay? Of course. I'm just going to fucking say it. Of course. We all look forward to reading Birdie's um, autobiography. (laughs) (laughs) The point is... (sighs) One thing that I think I figured out immediately with even though social media was brand new and all of this, the way that kids were like consuming content, their shows, their shows, their what they like and what they watch, right? 
I figured out, or maybe I'm wrong, but it seems to have worked so far, um, that, like, withholding it wasn't going to do a fucking thing. Right. But leaning into it at an early age and asking to be a part of it. This was from Hoffman. This was like one of the things that I came out of Hoffman and was like, you know, in that fucking deep state, meditative, not the deep state, but you know, a deep, (laughs) deep meditative state for a week. And one of my like parenting revelations was like, I have to not disengage from what they are liking, listening to, watching and participating in, I have to, I have to join them. I have to see what it is because it's the only way I can course correct in real time, any kind of like insidious messaging that's like getting in there from some 20 year old fucking douchebag who's just like got a camera and an idea about a thing. And I know it's fucking hard. You guys, it's why I haven't finished a goddamn television show, have barely seen any movies, can't talk to adults about books. Like, I have, in the last three years, like, my entire content that I have taken in has been YouTubers my kids like, TikTokers, Discord. I was fucking watching Discord for a while. Yeah. You guys, yeah. no adult should be watching Discord. Well, it's here's exhausting. the thing, it too, like you're 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 unlucky in a way cuz your kids are particularly interested in and intense on those things whereas other people get off the hook a little bit cuz their kids just aren't that into that kind of stuff or are less into it. But the scary thing is that I think that there are the most unlucky kids and parents are the kids who are even more intensely interested in it than your kids could even ever imagine, and their parents have zero awareness of what they're doing, you know? So, like, it's so funny to me when, like, you know, people are like, I need my kid's school to change the bus route because the the bus goes by a club or a marijuana dispensary and I don't want, you know, this happened like in our town in Connecticut. Like the kids are going to be driving past this marijuana dispensary. And I was like, all your kids have phones. Like, do you think that they're not uh, buried in their phone watching porn on the way to school? They're not looking out the window. You know what I mean? Like, it's like if your kid has a phone, they have seen porn. They have. They have. It exists. It's there. It's easily accessible. That's terrifying. But I think like, and I'm not saying it's a wrong choice to let your kids have a phone. We gave Eli a phone when he was like 10 because he needed it because he needed some independence and we needed to be able to keep track of him. uh, And the phone was the best way to do it. I'm just saying you got to have a million frank talks about what it is they're looking at and what it is they're into and what you think about it and what what worries you about it. It's a lot. It's a lot. No, it's so much. And it's so all many parents, even my sweet liberal friend parents yeah. who have boys are like, oh, no, I don't want to talk. I don't want to have that. Conversation. I don't want to talk to Mm-mm. I'm not going to. That's, you know what? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to talk to them about porn. Right. 
Jesus Christ, you guys, get it the fuck together. <laughs> like, this is like, it's so insane to me. And it's like, it's weird because like these are, obviously we're, I'm not saying like, shame your kid or whatever. Like, I'm, all I'm saying is, and a lot of people believe that like, Porn has its place, and it's for grown-ups. It's for mature people. So all I'm saying is if imagine your 8, 9, or 10-year-old looking at something like that that's meant for grown-ups, devoid of any type of context or guidance right. about what it is, and that honestly is a lot scarier, like letting allowing them to reach their own conclusions about something at age 9 or 10, like... That's a lot scarier, I think, than ha- than just having the conversation, you know? And, like, having those conversations, I think it's always okay to just open the conversation with, like, look, I, this is the last thing I want to be talking to you about because who wants to hear about this from their mom? Nobody. But we have to talk about it. And, well, and that's— you know my you know my hack, my parenting hack. What's that? It's always be driving a car or unloading a dishwasher. Yes. Yeah, so that you can look elsewhere. I'm telling you, it will keep you calm. Yeah. It will keep you focused on something else. Right. You can have the conversation without either one of you having to make eye contact. Right. You can just just get through the tough stuff. Yeah. And I would just say, like, it's not just fucking mom's responsibilities, right? Like, right. I don't know. Like, I think it's... I think we have to talk to the men in our lives more about their participation in that part of it. And, And by that, also, I'm not saying doing the thing where you're like, oh, that's on... That's on him. No. He, my husband, he's, that's, I don't know. He's the one that's got to have the conversation. No, fuck no, baby. No. Right. Lady, you got to get in there. (sighs) And it takes, it takes a little practice. So imagine like how awkward you feel. Whoever's your co-parent probably feels equally, at least as equally awkward. So yeah, it's just a thing that you kind of have to like support each other through, encourage each other to get into, do it together. But yeah, it's it's a fucking lot. And also like aunties and uncles, you know, I'm I'm always so appreciative of aunties and uncles who get in the mix with permission, of course, from the parents as in as much as as you can discuss that with them. But, like, sometimes a kid hears it better from a favorite aunt or uncle than they would from mom and mom or mom and dad or dad and dad, whoever, you know, or, or grandparents. Like, you you know your relationship that you have uh, with the kids in your life. And, you know, all blessings Let's all enjoy the good stuff so much. Let's all enjoy the fun birthdays and holidays and everything. But with great power comes great responsibility. And sometimes, like, you know, sometimes you're the person that has an opportunity to step up and and just, like, speak some clarity to a kid that needs it. And And that's a privilege and an honor, too, even though it's hard and awkward and, you know. But, um, yeah, I don't. 
I, <laughs> Eli had um, a secret Facebook account after we told him when he was a little kid. Oh my God. We found a secret Facebook account and it was because um, he was, Eli, I'm sorry I'm telling this about you. It's actually kind of cute. We had told him he was too young to have a Facebook account and then he finally talked us into letting us have his computer in the in his bedroom instead of out in the living room because he needed it to do his schoolwork and he couldn't concentrate out in the living room where everyone was. And he made a good <laughs> argument. But then first thing he did was make a secret Facebook account. Um, and uh, the reason I knew about it is because an author that he was a fan of messaged me and was like, oh, your kid's so cute. He's always like messaging me on Facebook about how much he likes my books or whatever. And I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, I didn't, you know, but that's how quick he did it. He was probably like eight. He quickly made a Facebook account, got right on there, started chatting with people. Thank God it was like an author who, you know, reached out to me. Um, But it could have been fucking anyone. So I'm not, believe me, I'm not on my high horse about how like you have to be, you know, you should be on top of it. I'm not shaming anyone because like it, it happened to me too. That's how I learned how closely we had to watch that stuff. Uh, but well, no, of course. I mean, yeah. yeah. One of my kids saw porn without, and it was like horrifying. And thank God they came to me. You right. know what I mean? Like, but we had already talked about it and it was like a, an accident and it was really upsetting and it was really upset. It was really fucking yeah. upsetting. Yeah. And I would hate to think that the kid, ha- we hadn't had that conversation before. And then she was just like sitting there with these things and not knowing how to process it and didn't, couldn't, felt like she couldn't come to me because even if you think like, oh, my kids can always come to me. They know they can come to me about everything. They don't fucking know that. They just right. don't. They right. just don't. Right. They just don't. They're kids. You have to remember anyway. what it felt like when you were a little kid. You have to remember. You have to remember, like, the weird feelings of, like, misplaced guilt that you had, maybe. The weird feelings of, like, fear. Uh, you know, you think you're going to hell. You think, you know, just all these weird things, these weird ideas that, like, kids get because of, like, what they've absorbed from the world. And also, like, kids just think things that we don't know what's going on in their heads. So that's why we have to talk to them about these things. It's it's not a it's not an easy endeavor. It's <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could say that, you know, that it'll all work itself out, but it really does take like a lot of active everyday work and for you, you know, you're still in the thick of it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> And so, yeah. we're trying to advise them on a lot of shit that didn't even exist when we were kids. So, I you mean, know, we're just, we're guessing. Yeah. No, it's fucking insane. And, and on top of all of that, you're just trying to be out here, be a fucking person yourself. Right. Right. Look, watch some feminist porn if you want to and you're allowed. But who who, who has time? Who has fucking time for that <laughs> shit? Here's what I know. Because I love you. I'm glad you're here with us. Um, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like at least like the people listening to this podcast, like we're all on the same page. We're all on the same page. And if we're not, 
Well, then we're on. Fuck you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we're on close pages. <laughs> we're on close to the same page. If we're not on exactly the same page, but if we're not, fuck uh. you. <laughs> but if we're not, go fuck yourself. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. What are you doing yeah. your best at this week? I don't know. I guess I'm doing my best at like hitting the ground running. <laughs> yeah. Is that a thing that I can say? Is yeah. that a thing that I can be doing my best at? Maybe. But I just was like, when I was on my way to Sweden, I was like lamenting the fact that I was going to be so fucking tired and da 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 da. And then I had like midway through the flight or whatever, I was like, all right, that this attitude's not going to help me. Right. I got to hit the ground running. I got to I got to go. I got to rent a car. I got to be with my kid. I got to be present. I got to listen to what she's got to say. I have like all of these things. And when I was coming back, I was like, "Oh god, I'm going to be so tired." And I was like, "You know what? I don't have time for that shit. I'm going to meet friends later. I got to see cricket. I like need to I, I got to do my podcast on Tuesday. Like I got to hit the ground running, man. I don't have time for that shit." And I really feel like that change in perspective. Now, I did have a guy, I had like some, t- like trying to keep my eyes open yeah. a couple times. But by and large, that it really worked for me. Just like, I was just like, I changed my mindset about it. I wasn't dreading it. I just was like, it is what it is. Like in this instance, it is what it is really worked because I was like, it is what it is. You got to hit the ground running, fucking suck it up and go for yeah. it. And just, you're not tired. You're not tired, busy. You're just not tired. You're not allowed to be tired. You have no time to be tired. You got to do it. So, you know what's so interesting to hear you say that is that, like, and whenever you say something that, like, is a pattern with someone else I know, I think that is like an, I think that's an ADHD thing to that like overwhelming tiredness all the time. And I think it's because probably, well, probably because of like the way your brain works, you're constantly going and making yourself tired. Mm -hmm. But there is, um, there, that is like the answer in my house. Whenever anyone asks how anyone is doing, the person says, I'm so tired. I have so much going on. I'm so, you know, and I'm sort of like, well, you have the same stuff going on that you had going on yesterday when you said you had so much going on. And the truth is, there's like, there is mm-hmm. a cycle of like having things to do, but then accomplishing things. And then like, but it feels like there's never any catch up to like the feeling of accomplishment and like, a period of rest and like getting ready for the next. So it, I love that you said that you just like reframed your thinking because I have said, I know that that's your first instinct to say that you're tired and overwhelmed, but can you give me like the third thing that's just under there just for like some variety, you know, just for like a little change of yeah. pace? Like what are the third, fourth, and fifth things that you're feeling? I'd be interested to know, you know? Right. And my and my third, like I was like anxious about being tired, concerned about that I was but I was like but I'm so fucking excited to see this kid and I want to just like sit in bed with her and watch whatever stupid videos she wants to show me or I want to see with her and like and not be like falling asleep and having her be upset that I am falling asleep or you know I wanted to just like be there with her yeah and I was able to do it. And when I got back, same thing. Like I didn't, I literally didn't have the time. Yeah. I was like, there was too much exciting stuff happening. 
That makes me so, so happy. I'm I'm so happy and yeah. so proud of you that you'd like able to reframe it. We didn't even talk about the sale really. How what are you doing your best at? Does it have to do with the sale? The sale the was amazing. Exchange. And like talk about my family was so, so helpful. Matt grilled hot dogs. He made margaritas. So Lincoln cute. had like ordered- he like really was like, this is a Costco situation. We're gonna yes. grill yes. these fucking hot dogs. Grilled out. hot dogs. He had hot dogs for everyone, including uh vegan hot dogs for our friend Laura was here. Um and cute. uh just every kind of hot dog. He made margaritas. Lincoln had ordered coffee and uh Dunkin' Munchkins for the morning when people arrived. And then between uh, Munchkins and hot dogs, Crab Rangoons arrived because he was like, I know this crowd. They're going to want Crab Rangoons. He just did it all on his Come own. On, get out of here. Get Eli the was out, out there building racks for everyone and helping people with their, bring yeah. their hauls. I think like 25 people came to sell things and swap things. Um, our friend Felicia Fasano, the casting director, was there. Yeah, um, love her. Marcy, the owner of the Plus Bus in Los Angeles, was there with a rack. Um, Ashley Nicole Black was there with some of her beautiful clothes, of which I swapped for some. Uh Joy Nash, the the beautiful actress Joy Nash came and swapped some clothes. My husband was very excited to see Come Joy on. Nash. He's a big fan. And uh, just tons of people, listeners of the podcast, which was so great. It always impresses me when someone who I know in real life then starts to say like something about the podcast. I'm like, oh my God, you listen? Like that's, that's so nice. Um, we made our own currency swap bucks. It was like play money. And it was very funny to see who took the swap buck very seriously and who was like hilarious about it and like just like oh I didn't take your swap books from you whatever it was really really fun and um and then everybody left a bunch of stuff to donate so we're donating to two separate places everybody went home with like less stuff than they came with and some of it is going to go to a good cause which is great and um yeah and then the other thing I did my best at is that I've been working on making my own deodorant, and uh, I think my latest batch really works. It's been 24 hours, and wow. <laughs> I'll let you know well, that's, how— That's really burying the lead. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. That feels like— That feels like we could— <laughs> That's what we should be talking about immediately. But you know what? We'll save it for next week. We'll save you it guys. for next week. And I can tell you how, how it went. Um, that's amazing. <laughs> I love it. I can't wait to hear more. And guys, we love you so much. And I we hope that you, you enjoyed this very special double book episode. This is as close as we're going to get to a book, uh, like, or like, a, like Oprah's book club. You know, but I think it was good. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I'm going to get crab rangoon for dinner. I'm going to do it. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Please send me a picture and, and a play-by-play as you eat it. I will. I really will. <laughs> Guys, until next week. We love you. Oh, no. <laughs>